in five, four, three, two, one. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right, all right, all right. All right. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday, January 17th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in still very chilly. Louisville, Kentucky Cards fans, if you want to take your career to new heights, do so with an MBA from the University of Louisville. The full-time MBA is an innovative 12-month program that accelerates your career trajectory with convenient in-person evening classes. Competitive 11-month paid internship opportunities provide you with valuable industry experience. It's the MBA that pays. Get started today and earn your degree in just one year. Visit business.louisville.edu for more. We're on the air today from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, Streaming all over the planet Earth, you know us better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford is here, the hardest working man in sports radio, at least the the hardest working man in Big X sports radio, Justin Kalen. Scooter Dingus. No, you said it right. It is here in the house today. Scoot's just still burning that midnight oil. You, you practically live here at this point. Oh, yeah. We appreciate you. We, we see what you're doing. We appreciate all the hard work. But it, it does kind of feel like you maybe should just pulling a mattress or something like like just this, this is your second home now it would definitely be more cost efficient for me i can tell you that i was actually thinking that when i was coming here this morning it was like 6 35 as i was crossing over the bridge and i'm like wow i was going over this bridge 12 hours ago and then 12 hours before that These are and 12 days. hours before that long long <laughs> long days i i feel for you but we appreciate you uh we especially appreciate you on this this wednesday when it's a little hard for you to come in after y- your confidence level for Indiana beating uh, Purdue on yesterday's show was a 9 out of 10. My gut clearly lied to me. A lot of confidence. Or my heart, whatever I went with. I tried to tell you that that's, it's not just too high, it's way too high. Yeah. I wasn't really sure what you were thinking, but <laughs> you were quickly put in your place last night. It was a resounding victory for the Purdue Boilermakers over your Indiana Hoosiers in Bloomington. A bitter pill to swallow here for you on this this Wednesday afternoon. Biggest win for Purdue in Assembly Hall since I think I saw like 1934. God, yeah, that so puts it in perspective. Definitely pretty embarrassing performance, no doubt about it. It was I had fun the first half, or at least half of the first half, first half of the first half, and after that, it was it was just no fun. I, I did not enjoy that game at all. I watched a decent stretch of the first half and kind of saw all I need needed to see i don't blame you my my primary takeaway from the game and if this is too like inside basketball my apologies 
Purdue's pretty good, <laughs> and Indiana's not that good. That's that, that's sort of what I take away from it. I don't know if, if again if that went over your head. I'm sorry. It's just the <laughs> basketball talk. But Purdue very good at basketball. Indiana much less so. Yeah. That's that was the primary concern of mine watching that game from an IU perspective. Yeah, I know. I mean that's that's accurate. Indiana just. I don't know. They they had their chances in the first half. That's what made the game so annoying. They missed nine, eight, nine, ten open shots in that first half where if you knock down half of those, that deficit's cut in half, and then all of a sudden it's maybe a manageable game in the second half because they did get it down to nine points two different times in the second half, and as soon as they did that, it went right back up to 15, 20 points. So, yeah, it just it sucked. The good thing about playing – in a conference like the Big Ten, especially in a year like this, where it's got a, a decent amount of teams, you've always got there are more quad one opportunities coming. You can get hot in February mm-hmm. and, and improve the NCAA tournament resume. I will say it's mid January now, and it certainly looks like it's it's later than it seems for IU and their NCAA tournament hopes. They are now one o two in the net rankings, one spot behind Duquesne, an eight and seven team out of the, out of the Atlantic Ten. Uh, they are zero and five in quadrant one opportunities. And just two and one in quad two games. Again, lots of opportunities coming, but the metrics do not love this IU team. Uh, quite frankly, I don't love this IU team. But when I saw that we should have beaten them, I'm like, you know, as much as I want to believe that this is about us, I think it's it's just as much about the Hoosiers as it is about Louisville playing well in this game. Uh, IU now 94th on Ken Palm. Like I said, a lot of basketball still to be played, but when you can't come within 21 points of Purdue on your home floor, it doesn't exactly instill a ton of confidence that you're going to be a lot better against them when you play them in West Lafayette next month. Damn it, Mike. I told you I didn't want to talk Indiana today, and now you got me torn because we you started the show with it, and I don't know if I'm mad about that or if I should be thankful that we're getting it out of the way as I sit here and watch a highlight video of Liam McNeely from this weekend. So we got that to look forward to at least. There's that going on. <laughs> That's good. Uh, in in better news, though, you know, Trey Kaufman Wren got the win. Shout to Silver Creek. Didn't oh, he didn't do much? No, but, he didn't. But you know, he's on the team. Every time his name was mentioned, I was thinking of you. Like, Silver Creek. Wonder wonder if Mike reacted to that. Stand up, Silver Creek. <laughs> Those are my guys. Yeah, I mean, the good thing for you too is you're not going to have a lot of attention on this game because we get to talk about another game with a Woo-hoo. wide point spread today, and that is Louisville taking on North Carolina tonight. We, we've got plenty of time to discuss that. Um, not expected to be a competitive game by most people. Neither was Miami. Neither was Miami. That's a, a very, very good point. We'll get into all that good stuff. The the historical point spread, where it uh, sits in history in terms of the largest underdog that Louisville's ever been going into a game. We'll get into that good stuff. Whether or not U of L has a fighting chance in this game, Armando Baycott is he or is he not thirty five years old? <laughs> all that good stuff is going to come your way. We've also got good football news to get to uh, that happened as we said, as we predicted right when we got off the air. I went home last night. I said hey to the kids, talked to the wife a little bit. And then had to pull out the computer and write up Tyler Barron committing to Louisville. Yeah, so. what time did that happen? I was thinking about that, too. It was like 6.20 when it was official. By, by the time I got home, I mean, we, we talked about it on the air uh-huh. how it was leaking out that he was enrolled in UofL. You could find his name in the academic database. So it, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. But the official tweet from him came out at like 6.12, I think, <laughs> which you knew was going to happen when he made it official. I don't think that Louisville's done when it comes to – Maybe some flips in the transfer portal that, that are on I mean, the horizon. how much more room do they have? There's always room in the banana stand. There's always money in the <laughs> banana stand. There's always room on the Louisville football roster. Uh, it's it's going to work itself out. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to work itself out. We've got that to talk about. Uh, some NBA news that pertains to, to some past Louisville players. Crazy. Getting, getting a lot of attention today. We'll talk about that. Yeah, you, the Indiana Pacers 
making some moves locally that are raising some eyebrows, turning some heads, all that good stuff. A couple of NFL notes that are still lingering, and of course, text from you guys at 502-414-1450. Scoots, you know, this isn't... We don't know like how long you're going to have this schedule. Have, have you adjusted to it at all, having to get yeah. here doing 7 to 9 KRC and then staying here until like 6 o'clock? Yeah. No, I'm, I've adjusted pretty well to it. I wish I had more than – once I'm done with all my stuff, i got like when it's all said and done, like an hour and a half break between shows. So I wish that was a little longer. But, yeah, I mean, that's it's that's been nice. And I just got – my day got a little better just now because I got a text from my landlord, my heat. Seemed to be working when he left. Oh, so it never got fixed last night? No. How was last night then? Um, So he offered to buy, to get us a hotel to stay in, and we both declined, said we'd make it through, just bundle up. It was cold. I got home from yes, the show did, yesterday. Did you guys cuddle? No, it was no, absolutely obvious not. question. Absolutely well, not. Um, human heat with our blankets. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, I got home. It was forty nine degrees, oh. and I was like, "This is not good." So the fireplace was on. He had a fan set up, like blowing the heat out into like the kitchen area, and we turned on every single light in the house, shut like all the bedroom doors that didn't need to be open, and we just contained all the heat to the main room. Turned on some can or lit some candles as well, and got it up to fifty seven by the time I went to bed. Mm. So it, it could have been worse. I, I had to sleep with four blankets last night. Typically, I'm a one blanket guy, but I was in sweatpants and a hoodie as well, which typically I can't sleep in that. But I made it through the night. I only woke up a couple times. It's good. Good time. That's brutal. That's rough. Made it sounds it, romantic. Made though. it through. Made it through. No, I woke up at. Uh, I said this on KRC this morning. I woke up around. I guess it was 1.30 or so. My mouth was so dry, so I had to go get something to drink. Gills passed out on the couch, sawing logs. So I was like, do I wake him? Do I? I just let him sleep. So I have no idea what time he actually went to bed. There's so much that a younger me would say right now. <laughs> to the, there's just so many doors open. <laughs> but I will hold on. How's Gill handling your, your schedule? I feel like you're not seeing him enough. No, I, I bet he loves it. Just all the house to himself? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, Who doesn't like an empty house? At some point, you have to prioritize family over work. I'm just saying that. Just, well, just, you know, don't don't let this go on too long. Don't we let, see we each, we see each other enough. It's going to be okay. <laughs> that's fine. No, our friendship is not in peril. Okay. Well, that's good. That, that makes me happy. You know, I don't want to see. You know, we don't need any broken homes around here. Big X stays strong. We're already a divided home. This is a family. We can't network. be broken. Well, that's true. That's <laughs> We're literally divided home on every sport except well, Reds. We're both Reds fans. It does kind of suck, like when you have, because we were talking about sports fandom and you know, you know prioritizing it, like how you rank. You know, for me, it's like Louisville is 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 above and beyond like my priority when it comes to sports. And then you kind of go down the list and you're like, okay, well, you know, your, your pro teams and your 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 loyalties. Where how would you rank those? And like the Reds have always been slightly ahead of the lines for me. And I think I honestly think one of the biggest reasons why is like I have so many friends that are Reds fans. Like I, it, it's it's a shared thing. Like we have like a Reds text group. I also feel like kind of closer to the franchise because my buddy Danny, you know, his whole family works for the Reds and has for for decades and decades and decades. So that was kind of how I got into being a big time Reds fans. And with the Lions, like it, it's awesome. Like, it, it's cool that my wife has jumped on board and you know, the, the kids wear the Lions stuff. But like, I don't have a really good friend to text when the Lions have a big game or mm-hmm. you know back and forth stuff. And I do think that that, that kind of has an effect. So yeah, it's it, for it, sure. it's always fun to share celebrations with people. And you know, I think that that kind of 
it goes a long way towards establishing just how much you care about a certain team. So you mentioned your power rankings. Where does Louisville fit into that at the top? Oh, yeah, okay. easily the top. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm the exact same way. Indiana comes before any of my pro teams. Mary was you know, before the Lions game was kicking off. Because I was like, uh, you know, bundle of nerves on Sunday. I had a bad feeling going into that Rams game. Uh, I mean, if they played again, I still would have a, a bad feeling. It's uh, you know, that the Rams were, were red hot. Mm-hmm. But she was like, Thinking back to the 2013 Final Four and, and how nervous we were going in for like the Wichita State game, and then how nervous we were walking into the Georgia Dome for the, the the national title game against Michigan, and she was like, "If if you're nervous level for Wichita State, which I was pretty nervous for the Final Four, just because you know, we came all that way, we you know, everyone just sort of assumed we were at least going to make it to the title game, and it kind of crosses your mind, especially when you get down in that game in the first half, like what the hell do we do if, if we if we leave? I remember talking to Eric Wood, and he was like, "I was literally looking at flights on my phone." When Clean Anthony early hit the three to put him up twelve in the second half, and you know, it's that that terrible realization of like, oh my god, like we may not even stay here tomorrow night. We may we may have to go home for this. And she's like, if that was your nervous level at like ten, where are you right now for this Lions game? And I was like, you know, definitely nervous. I, I definitely want to see them win this, just because I it's been so long. And yeah, I mean, I was a, a, a tiny tiny child the last time the Lions won a playoff game. I've got no real memories of it. So I was like, a, I was like seven and a half was my number. I think it will go like, like this weekend. I mean, I can see it being an eight. I'm oddly more confident about this game than I think I was last weekend. That probably will change by the time we get to Sunday. And then NFC Championship game. I mean, like, you know, especially if it's the 49ers, you, you like, I'll go in with the whole, like, yeah, we, you know, we're probably going to lose this. We're a heavy underdog. We're, we're a year or two away from being a legit Super Bowl contender. But like once the kickoff happens, I feel like I'll be like a nine point six. So it's the Super Bowl for God's sake, like something that I've never come even close to seeing in my lifetime as a fan. But it's just you know it's it's different things. I think also being at the game changes things a little bit as opposed to watching it from home. What's the most nervous you've ever been going to a sporting event or watching a sporting event as a fan? Oh my gosh, um, why do you always hit me with these hard questions? Because I mean, like, like you know, when IU played the national title game, you were you, you were younger, right? You 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 were what like. 12, 13? I, I, yeah, 11, maybe. Yeah, um, I would think I was a junior in high school. I remember my parents let me stay up late for it. That was cool. I would hope so. Um, maybe I would probably say that Super Bowl that we played the Cardinals. The oh, Steelers yeah. and Cardinals. Good, great game. I was. It was. A, it ended up being an awesome game. Yeah, I was pretty nervous for that one. Just because I, I'm pretty sure that was the first one I was, had seen. Was it? I know I've seen two Steelers Super Bowls. That would have been because so that would have been like you were what probably like high school, mm-hmm. late high school. I yeah. remember because I, I like just graduated college. The other thing I remember that game was it was the after it ended was the premiere of the Office episode with the the famous fire scene where they do the fire drill and everyone goes crazy. Like that was right after that because Mary and I were at a hotel. We were on like she had like a work trip and I was tagging along. And she like had fallen asleep on the bed, and I'm like laughing so hard, but trying not to wake her up. And she's like, "There's no way this is that funny." I'm like, "It's hilarious. I'm, like, you need to turn around and watch this. This is great." Yeah. So 2009, I guess that would have been the second one because the first one was 2006 against the Seahawks. I don't remember being nervous for that one, but I do remember the Arizona one. I can see that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we had interesting Wednesday today. It was one of those. So we've been looking for. A Wednesday babysitter for a while now. Like, like all of our other days are covered, mm-hmm. but for Wednesdays we had just like kind of a, a weird sequence of it. We thought we had one, fell through. We thought we had some other stuff lined up, fell through. So basically, for the last like couple months, Mary and I have just been tag teaming it. Like she's she's tried to get her calls turned around. Like I've tried to get as much work done the night as I can the night before, and just you know we, we just we watch the kids, try to get work done while we're watching them, but it's it's a pain in the ass. So we finally like through 
friends, like after months of trying, find somebody to come over, find a new babysitter. And it's one of those where like you're like, you know, you're cleaning the house. We're trying we're, we're basically trying to present ourselves as a family that we're actually not. Like like we've got ourselves <laughs> together, like, you know, we, the house is always clean. We, we, this goes here, the kids are wonderful, all this stuff. And of course, it's like the worst behave the kids have been in months. Like Virginia flips out as I'm taking her home from school about nothing. I, she, it was one of those just she has the switch. And if something hits her the wrong way, like she's just done. And she will say the meanest things, like like phrases and words that you don't even know she knew. Like she's like, I don't even know why you want to be a daddy. I was like, oh my God. Like this is this is terrible. She's like, You're the meanest daddy ever. And to John's credit, little John like came to my defense. He was like, He's not mean, Jinya. Like, like just like go I was like, Thank you, John. Thank God we have you. But then John's also tired because he didn't sleep enough last night. He got he, he peed through his pajamas at like five forty five, so I had to get up with him. He calls her Jinya. Jinya. Yeah, Virginia's very tough to say for a two-year-old. So it's hilarious. Jinya. Like, but yeah, he's like, he's not mean, Jinya. I was like, thank God for John. <laughs> Carry this family, boy. Like, we we needed you. We need you to do a lot more. But so, like, like she's doing her whole, like, uh, like, like daddy's mean. I don't like daddy as the babysitter gets there. And then John's flipping out because he hasn't eaten. And, like, I'm, we're, I'm like, please just don't leave. Like, we, we desperately need somebody for, for Wednesday. So they'd settled down by the time I left. But it was, like, one of those where I was very much saying a prayer. Like, we, we, we need you to stay. Save this family, baby, sir. Please. So that'll be a every Wednesday thing? Hopefully. Right, maybe. As long as today yeah. doesn't go just horribly, horribly wrong by the time I leave. I'm like, it's just five hours, please. Just watch <laughs> our kids. Just watch our kids. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Fingers crossed. Hopefully we get that done. But that's the the, the, the big event in the Rutherford household. We're also counting down the uh, the hours, of course, until Louisville takes on North Carolina tonight. It's a late one, which also doesn't help that I had to get up so early today. Uh, Nine o'clock tip-off between the cards and the Tar Heels inside the Dean Dome. Louisville Scoots is a, at last check, I've not checked it in a couple of hours, but the last time I looked, they were a 21 and a half point underdog. Oh, it went up. It went up? Yeah, it was. It opened at 23. Oh, really? It was only, at, I think, 21 when I did Spears today. Spe- okay. It's been, I think books were kind of all over the place. Maybe even 20 and a half. I know DraftKings had it at 21 and a half the last time I saw. Maybe it's changed. Maybe it's fluctuated. But the, the, the point is, it's a large-ass number. Oh, yeah. I believe that's the basketball term. Large-ass number <laughs> is the point spread tonight that UNC is favored to beat Louisville by. And it's understandable. Uh, North Carolina is a team that comes into this game number four in the country. They're the only undefeated team in the ACC. Louisville, despite playing a little bit better the last couple of games, is still widely viewed as the worst team in the ACC. Carolina, very good offensive team, as they always are. They're even better on defense this year. It's not a good matchup for Louisville uh, if, you, if you're playing the game anywhere. It's especially not a great matchup when you're playing them in Chapel Hill where they've not lost this season. Uh, Carolina also comes in this game playing probably its best basketball of the season. After losing back-to-back games in December to UConn and Kentucky, which no no shame, losing both those games on a right. neutral floor, they've won six straight, and all six of those games have come by 10 points or more. Their most recent outing, a 103-67 pasting of Syracuse at home on Saturday. So that's what they're bringing into this game. So I, I was looking at it. I hit up Kelly Dickey. All six of those by double digits, by the way. That's what I just said. Oh, my bad. It's okay. It's, it feels like Trevor's still here. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very, very much the same thing. Uh, I, I hit up Kelly Dickey. He sent me to some resources. I was like, what's the, the largest point spread that Louisville has faced as an underdog? Since like point spreads became public, this goes back to if you look at the the, the college sports resource uh, or oddsmaker.com, it goes back to ninety one ninety two is the season, and 
this is the second, if it, if it stays at 21 and a half, this is the second largest underdog that Louisville's ever been in a basketball game since wow. this became a thing. Would you care to venture a guess as to when they were the largest underdog? And here's a hint. It's been fairly recently. Uh, last year. Last year against Kentucky. Really? New Year's Eve. Oh, it was yeah, it was like 23 and a half, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. New, New Year's Eve playing on the road against UK in Lexington. That was the largest point spread that Louisville has ever faced. Louisville lost that game, of course. Uh, that's not exactly surprising news. Which means, though, if Louisville were to win tonight, it would be, if we're just using the most literal definition possible, it would be the biggest upset that the Louisville men's basketball program has ever pulled. Ever. 21-point spread, 21.5-point spread, doesn't matter. It would be the biggest uh, point spread upset in the history of Cardinal basketball. What is the biggest point spread win? I appreciate you asking me that. I don't have the information at my disposal. I can look it up. I do have some other numbers. Well, because I was curious where that Miami one would have been wound the up. The Miami one's on up there. Yeah. So, so here's the the other numbers that I have, and this is this is kind of shocking to me. So guess I, again, we're going back to 1992. So basically, what like a 32 year period of time? Mm-hmm. How many times do you think that Louisville has been an underdog since 1992 by 15 points or more? I'm going to go with six. Well, more than that. Twelve. You're drastically, I think, underestimating really? the, the last couple of years, especially. So, okay. Okay. Hold, hold on. Hold on. 15 points or more underdog. They have been a 15 points or more underdog 38. Okay. Now too much. Uh, eight, 18 times. <laughs> 18 times. <laughs> you, just, you threw me off my sin. I was getting there going six at a time. Overcorrected. You were getting closer <laughs> with the 12. If you'd gone six more, you would have hit it on the head. 18 times since 1992 has Louisville been a 15-point underdog or more. Now, out of that 18 times, how many do you think have come under Kenny Payne, which is the last year and a half? 16. Close. 15. Oh, that was going to be my first 15 of the 18 times in the modern history of Louisville basketball that the Cards have been a 15-point underdog or more have come in the last year and a half, which is a mind-blowing statistic. And you're right. uh, Louisville has won under Payne, I think – Two of those games, one of those games, and it was the Miami 16 and a half point spread just a couple of weeks ago uh, in Coral Gables. So, if you're looking at the numbers, by the way, if you if you want to know how that that shakes out, so 15 of the 18 15 point spreads have been under Kenny Payne's watch. Three of them come came when Denny Crum was the head coach in the 90s. Louisville was never an underdog of 15 points or more while Rick Pitino was here. <laughs> Not one time. Did not happen. But that's the case tonight. Cards going into Chapel Hill looking to to pull. A bit of a shocker. Let's break a streak. Would love to have. I mean, hey, like, if you're gonna, if there's one positive of being this bad, it's that you have opportunities like this. That you, you know, hopefully we never even have an opportunity again in any of our lifetimes as Louisville fans to pull an upset of 20 points or more. But while we're here, why not take advantage? Might as well. Why not? I will fight. The ACC Network has the call of tonight's game. Uh, the, we can hear all the action on 970 WGTK as well. The pregame will start at 8 o'clock with Paul Rogers, Jody Demling, and company. It, it is, I mean, going back to something that we talked about yesterday, it is wild. I don't know how much of the conversation today on the, the Thornton sex line, 502-414-1450, will be centered around the game itself. I mean, I, I think people will want to talk. We're going to talk about football a little bit in the next segment, and people, I'm sure, will go back to you know, Kenny Payne and his job security and coaching rumors and, and, and all that stuff. And I don't think that people really care, even with the team playing better recently and now facing a top-five opponent about the the ins and the outs of this game. 
how Sky Clark matches up with R.J. Davis, what Louisville can do to limit Armando Baycott better than they have the last couple of years. Like We'll talk a little bit about that stuff, but I feel like that's just, it's not even a central conversation right now for most of the fan base, even with the team playing the way that it did in its two games last week. And that's sad because you know, this is this is like the quintessential middle of conference play Wednesday, I feel like. You, you've got the snow, you've got the cold, you got a top five team, big time brand. Like th- this is a game that we should be like like you were talking about yesterday, counting down the hours to, counting down the minutes to, like getting excited, getting all the the, the jitters as I'm on the radio. This should be a really enthusiastic, upbeat crazy three-hour radio show just getting ready for this one two-hour game and you know we're, we're just not there right now and every time that I see one of these games on the schedule it, it kind of hits me and it's just like this, this not the way that it should be not the way that it's been I was thinking about you know I looked at the record because when we first made the move to the ACC you know, we had a, a nice little back and forth with North Carolina there, there was a, a, a you know we split with them in 2015 when Terry Rozier and Montrez Harrell were here we had the the, the huge Comeback uh, win at the Yum Center. We had them on the ropes at, at the Dean Dome, and then you know there was the, the kind of the circus shot in the final seconds by Marcus Page, which led to I don't know if you remember this at all, Scoots. Like Stuart Scott had just died a, a few weeks before, and Dick Vitale was calling the Louisville North Carolina game, and Page makes this crazy shot in the final seconds to win it for North Carolina, and Vitale is like, "Boo yeah, boo yeah." Boo yeah! And Louisville fans were like, "This son of a bitch!" Like, like I hate this guy. <laughs> like, not I think understanding in the moment that he was trying to pay tribute to a colleague who had just passed away and who was a big North Carolina fan. And I was like, hey. in the moment, it, it definitely hurt because Louisville had that game won and then you know, got snatched away. And we were like, okay. But it, I think when when people understood what he was doing, it was a little bit more acceptable. And then the next year, I, North Carolina, I saw the stat in their game notes today. They're 5-0 in the ACC right now. It's their best start in a conference season since 2016 when they started 8-0. And I was like, I wonder if if we were the first team to beat them that year. And sure enough, you go back and you look, Louisville knocks them off at home 71-65 on February 1st. That game notable because, unfortunately for us, it was the last game that team played before they announced their self-imposed postseason ban. Quite literally, they beat the number one team in the country. And two days later, they took the NCAA tournament away. You know, the, the calendar had just flipped to February. I remember being at that game. And that was the, the Damian Lee, Trey Lewis team, which had been really, really good. They had a gaudy record, but they didn't have that big marquee victory. They'd come close against Kentucky. They'd come close against Michigan State. You know, they'd knocked off some good teams, but they hadn't beaten a really great team yet. Like that, they needed that on their resume. And they got it. And they, this was like, they, hey, like we can play with anybody now. If we can beat these guys... There's nobody else in the country that we can't beat. Like This could be a Final Four team for sure. And then, boom, 48 hours later, you know, you, the rest of the season is just all for naught, which was... But they played it. They played it, okay. but it was it, it was heartbreaking. It was it was tough to see. And you yeah. know, they, they, you know, UofL tried to do the whole, we, we got your back thing. And I was like, no, you, you, you don't really. It's, 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 this is kind of the opposite of not having our back. That Louisville team, by the way, which I, I never feel like we got enough credit for sanctioning ourselves because every team that ever self-imposes a postseason ban does it because they suck and they're like this is the easy thing to do like let's just go ahead and you know Syracuse did it the year before when they were terrible and you know they're like oh sorry Fab Mello like we're not going to go to the NCAA tournament like you're not going to go to the NCAA tournament anyway (laughs) that Louisville team finished the year despite kind of limping to the finish line because they had nothing to play for number seven on Ken Palm a a top seven team in the country according to the advanced metrics 
definitely would have been a three or a four seed, could have made a run, and it would have been nice if the NCAA had taken that into consideration. It was a pretty brutal penalty that really, really hurt. And, and then, you know, moving forward, Louisville again splits with Carolina, 2017, um, you know, 2018, the David Padgett year. Uh, Carolina's down a little bit. They they play a couple of of uh, uh, I, think, I think they played one game. It was competitive. Carolina wins it, and then 2019, the first like real big moment of the Chris Mack era outside of that Michigan State win was he goes to Chapel Hill, plays a Carolina team that's ranked in the top ten, and pummels them, beats them by 21 points, which at the time was the largest home loss that a Roy Williams coached UNC team had ever taken, and like. like we had a nice back and forth with Carolina, and now they've won four straight. It hasn't been overly competitive since that crazy screw job uh, when Mike Begeese was the coach two years ago. Mondo Baycott just getting away with everything. Like it felt like this is one of those things where you look at it and you say, Louisville has not been able to establish itself a ton of conference rivalries, really in football or basketball. And while Carolina is never going to be a primary rival because they've got Duke and they've got NC State and they've got you know even like nationally they've got Kentucky they've got some other teams, we kind of were, were forming this nice little you know tertiary like rivalry with them that just got wrecked by all the scandals around here and all the NCAA punishments and now it's been you know, they've had the upper hand and neither team is really getting up for this game and it's just. It all sucks, Scoots. What every conversation like this comes back to. Oh, and it's all, the only meeting this year, too. So only meeting this you, year. You want to make sure you put in a good performance. You do. You, you'd like to, uh, and yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll come back here. We'll talk a little football. We'll hear from you guys as well on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. Mike Rutherford Show Wednesday edition here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one Big X. Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, the Big X. Before we talk a little Cardinal football and the transfer portal, quick look at last night in the, the world of college hoops. Uh, there were some interesting thing, things happening besides just poor Scoots' Indiana Hoosiers being battered uh, <laughs> around by Purdue. 87, Rub it in. 87-66. I did bet. We, we made some picks at the end of yesterday's show. I did bet. The, the biggest bet I made, uh, made last night was Cincinnati Moneyline over TCU. Which nice. yeah, they ended up having like a miracle overtime cover, um, crazy game there in the final sequence. I, I watched the last five minutes of regulation and then overtime, and it was it could have gone either way for sure. Indiana, or Cincinnati, I should say, thankfully pulls away and wins eighty-one seventy-seven over TCU. I also got screwed. In a, I mean, I got not screwed, but had a parlay with the Purdue game, uh, Baylor over Kansas State money line, BYU covering against Iowa State, and then that Cincinnati game and uh, Baylor choked away late against K-State in overtime, losing 68-64. Oh, you you played bad. away from the stink in that game. I played away. I went right into it. Kansas, I, t- I told you. I bought into it. They were ahead for most of the game, too. They had it in hand. They were underdogs to start, and that line quickly went for them to the favorite. Yeah. So that tells me right there, slam Kansas State. Yeah. I, I went away from it. Baylor had it in hand. They Four-point play in overtime. Kind of turned the, the, That's f- on the you. whole tide. It, uh, it, was, it was not good. I also was wrong. I did not bet this, but I Kansas always – 
kind of plays a stinker when they go on the road and, and take on Oklahoma State. There's, there's <laughs> Not all, last night. Uh, there's all sorts of conspiracy theories that Bill Self takes it easy because he you know, he played there and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, not last night. The Jayhawks, I, I think, trying to prove some people wrong. There's a lot of people that think that Kansas is just sort of on fraud watch. Uh, they won last night, 90 to 66 on the road. Uh, Penn State upset Wisconsin. 87-83. New Mexico upsets Utah State. Not really an upset. I think they were favored, but beat a ranked team. Uh, Mountain West, by the way, could get as many as six teams into the NCAA tournament this year. They would just be the fourth non-power conference to ever do that if it happens. And then Dayton Flyers. Go Dayton Flyers. 70-65 over St. Louis. They take care of business. In the ACC, I just saw... Did you see the DJ Horn clip? Oh my gosh, what a clown. So... A, but it's hilarious. I, I very can't not funny. Love it. Not, would not recommend doing this to the kids. <laughs> but DJ Horn last night in a win, like in the closing seconds of a victory over Wake Forest. Uh, DJ Horn, who who lit Louisville up over the weekend for NC State, uh, he's he's shooting free throws. He gets handed the ball, and as the official turns his back, just gives him the double middle fingers, just just double birds. Straight up to the. Do the, we know why he did that? Apparently, it was towards the officiating. It was not towards Wake Forest. It was he was upset about some calls. He, he double flipped off the. But I mean, it was ref. Very, it was very clearly that that official. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, what did he do? I, I I don't know. I didn't watch any of the game. I just saw the clip going around, and the ACC put out a statement today, saying that the headline of the statement is ACC reprimands NC State's DJ Horn. And the whole statement is only three lines. It says, the Atlantic Coast Conference announced that it has issued a rip reprimand to NC State's DJ Horn following Tuesday night's Wake Forest and NC State men's basketball game. The reprimand was issued following the league's office review of the game and is based on Horn's involvement in an unsportsmanlike and inappropriate gesture at the end of the game. The league will have no further comment on this matter. Well, that'll show him. That, you know, a, a formal reprimand? Oh, no. Wait, that's it? Yeah, that, that's it. They're just giving him an unsportsmanlike conduct. It just reminds me of a Christmas story where, like, the, the teacher's walking around and she's like, "I know the shame that you feel for not admitting what you've done is far worse than any punishment I could hand down." And Ralphie's like, <laughs> "The narrator's like, every kid know how much BS that was. It's so much better not to get punished for for, for something <laughs> like, yeah, oh no, I've got this former. Re- what are you gonna do? It's like." Eight demerits is going to cost me one half of, of ACC basketball. It's like Dwight Schrute handing out fake punishments. That's the ACC. Like, what's DJ Horn? Oh, he's, he's what's he going to do? Who's he going to play with a scarlet band around his arm next game? I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's okay. But that happened last night. That was interesting. And then the only other thing that that happened that was really of note of consequence. Syracuse did go on the road and beat Pitt. God, I mean Pitt. Pitt beat us by 13 at home, and they're one and five in the ACC. They're just they're they're terrible. Syracuse does what Syracuse. Or I mean Clemson does what Clemson does, which is they have this terrible mutual attachment to the bubble. They can't get away. <laughs> it's a codependent relationship. The bubble can't live without Clemson. Clemson can't live without the bubble. It's like when. Did you ever have a friend in, in a couple friends in college who maybe dated in high school and like they did the right thing? They broke up and they were going to go experience college, but then they would just like keep hooking up. Yeah. And it's oh, like, yeah. oh, we're not together. And it's like, oh, well, you, she woke up in your bed again last night. <laughs> like that's Clemson in the bubble. Every time you think that they've matured enough to not have a terrible loss, it's going to knock them back down. Brad Brown was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, which is losing double overtime at home to Georgia Tech. Which is uh, what took place last night? Georgia Tech pulls the ninety-three to ninety 
road win. Damon Stoudemire getting it done in his first season in Atlanta. But Clemson, I mean, you thought they turned a corner. Like, this is the year that Brad Brownell is not going to be on the bubble, not going to narrowly miss the NCAA tournament or just make it into the NCAA tournament. And instead, now 12 and 5, 2 and 4 in the ACC, seeming to be headed firmly towards the bubble. The ACC just sucks. Like, they're doing everything they can to only get like three or four teams in the, in the tournament this year. Yeah. It's probably going to be more. But if you look at the conference right now, who do you feel like there are only two locks? Duke and Carolina are the only teams you look at and you're like, I guarantee those two teams are going to be in the NCAA tournament. There's nobody else. If for nothing else, for name recognition. Well, name recognition and... I mean, Duke and, Duke and North Carolina, admittedly, can have a slightly worse season than everybody else in the conference and still find a way to get in just because they're a the big name. They could, but I mean, it, that's not happening this year. Both teams are 13-3 right. and three and in the top 15 of the net rankings. Uh, Clemson did take a little bit of a tumble last night from 27 to 36 in the net rankings. Uh, they're still, they still do have... Uh, two quad one wins, but that resume is not overly gaudy. They're, they've got five losses. They've lost, they have a quad three loss now. That's bad. Those are the only three ACC teams in the top forty five of the net. Wake Forest is forty six. That's a team with a resume that I don't think you could just put into the NCAA tournament right now. Vatek and Miami are fifty six and fifty seven respectively. Virginia sixty three. It's a bunch of just whatever teams and. I've got no faith in any of these teams' ability to avoid being part of the league cannibalizing itself. Like there's just gonna be more games like this. I mean, mm-hmm. we kind of we, we did it with Miami. That's a terrible loss for them. It's a quad four loss. Clemson did it last night against George Tech. It's just a bad league. Now, will they get a couple of teams in like as like 10, 11 seeds, a couple maybe a, a team or two in, in the first four? Yeah, because it's the ACC, and that's typically how the selection committee works. But like they're only look to be like two realistic contenders in this league. And that's I know the league's been down the last couple of years, and it's been bailed out by some NCAA tournament runs, but it's it's trending in the wrong direction right now. And Louisville, not exactly taking advantage. <laughs> Once again, the worst team in this conference. Did you see the whole Nate Oates thing last night? I saw. Yeah, he pushed the Missouri player. Yeah, and told him to get the get the bleep out of here. Did he say that? I didn't see that. In the yeah, game. he was the, the 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 Missouri the Missouri player was like he's like going after the huddle, like getting into the huddle and like yelling at at uh, Alabama players, and Oates kind of like pushes him out of the huddle and is like, get the bleep out of here, get the bleep out of here. I saw that. And then Alabama went on a ridiculous run to, to just kind of pulverize them towards the end of that game. They said they reprimanded him, but, I mean, it's kind of like the other guy's situation, not really said what he did or said what he gets. Yeah. What's that? Is that just like a slap on the wrist? It's like a nothing. It's like a, it's like a censure. You know, you've, you've been reprimanded. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry the sec also kind of had a weird night arkansas had a gigantic lead and then blew it and then got it back and won a game that they couldn't afford to lose over texas a&m south carolina who had been 14 and 2 took a really bad home loss to georgia uh, bama did run away from missouri in that game i still think bama's good like, like they lost five games in the non-conference portion of the season watch like they're still going to finish in the top three of that conference and make the ncaa tournament as a four or five seed uh, top five seed they're Five zero in the SEC, four zero in the SEC. Now, like that's a that's a good team. They're you only, talk about a league cannibalizing themselves. The SEC, well, the, the SEC is going to do just that. But they'll cannibalize themselves as far as like maybe not letting any of their their great teams get a one or a two seed or something like that. Like they're they're too good in the middle to not yeah. have a bunch of teams. Like I think the SEC is great this year. The, the ACC is going to cannibalize itself in terms of like having teams on the play themselves on the wrong side of the bubble because we're just we're, we're not good. 
the SEC is a better league. I never thought we'd get to this point, but they are, I think, unequivocally, inarguably, a better conference than the ACC in basketball, which they invested in it. They went out and they got great coaches, bought a lot of new facilities, use NIL the right way. They're doing things. They're taking advantage of the modern era of the game, and they're reaping the benefits now. Let's talk about what happened right when we got off the air yesterday. We, we teased it. There was the Brady Brom bomb tweet that came out in the, the, the final hour of the show talking about the, the latest transfer that Louisville's going to get and saying yeah, this one will put the entire college football world on notice. I, I said the only person that I'd heard recently that could be flipping to Louisville was Tyler Barron, who has, has been a very productive player at Tennessee for the last four years, committed to Ole Miss in, in December. Remember, we had the on the show. People were pointing out the fact that he tweeted like a checkered flag from the location was Oxford, Mississippi, and Lane Kiffin saw that and retweeted it. And then he uh, he deleted the tweet yesterday. He was giving away the fact that he was rethinking his commitment to Ole Miss. And then right when we did get off the air last night, Tyler Barron does go ahead and make it official on on social media that he has flipped his commitment from Ole Miss to Louisville. He's the number 14 overall player in the transfer portal and the number three edge rusher in the portal, according to the 24-7 sports transfer rankings. Uh, Played tons of snaps for Tennessee each of the last four years, and it's coming off of his best season to date. Last year had 28 total tackles, 10.5 tackles for loss, six sacks, and was credited with a fumble recovery touchdown. For his career, 101 tackles, 27 tackles for loss, 13.5 sacks. His 41 quarterback pressures last year were also the fifth most of any player in the SEC. This is, I mean, Louisville was already strong on its defensive front, but now you have, and you you can laugh at this if you want, but I think it's a true statement. I think most people who cover college football would back this up. You have two of the best edge rushers in all of college football on the same defensive line. Aston Gelade was the runner-up for ACC Player of the Year. He led the country in quarterback pressures for most of the season. Tyler Barron now who comes in with this five-star pedigree, former very highly touted recruit, got it done in the SEC against the best teams in college football. Uh, he's on the other side of the, of the field now. You've got two pretty feared bookends on that defensive line. And then in the middle, I mean, you've got Thor Griffith, who is viewed as an NFL caliber prospect. You may bring back Jermaine Lolay. You've still got Mason Riger. You've still got Ramon Perrier. You've got a bunch of good defensive tackles that can play. Like this is a this is becoming a very scary defensive front. And it's one that was pretty damn good for the first you know, 10 games of last year. And it, it looks like it's going to be even better next season. This is a huge addition for Louisville. Tyler Barron, welcome in. You'll be happy to know that on KRC this morning, they said that Louisville now has two SEC caliber defensive guys or defensive linemen that's a big that's a big compliment from kentucky guys him and gelati yeah i mean they should gelati was in the backfield for as badly as, as Louisville played against kentucky defensively gelati was in the backfield that entire game he was I, good i know i know you don't like my scooter dingus guarantees but i think this is the year well, i don't like them because they're they're you're oh for one I, I think you literally guaranteed something that didn't happen on like your second to your, your first time ever doing it. i think i think this is the year louisville gets kentucky I was all. I was I'm, all I'm on, not saying that. I, that is Scooter's word. That is not my word. I was all on Louisville last year. I thought that was going to be the year they finally did it, but the streak's got to end eventually, and I think this year's it. When I started the show here, August 2021, I was like, I'm, I won't predict Louisville beating Kentucky in football until they actually do it again, and I held true to that. Like 2021, the Courier reaches out, and the Herald Leader reach out. They do the, the media predictions. I picked Kentucky, even though Louisville was favored in the game. 2022. Same thing. 
I, I'm like I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm, I picked Kentucky to win the game last year. I bought into like well, the four losses. It was all about the head coach. We've got Brom. We're clearly the better team. We've had the better season. We've still got a lot to play for. I know Kentucky wants to spoil the the gaudy record and all that stuff, but there's still a ton on the line here. Let's go 11 to one. Let's lock up the Orange Bowl. We're gonna win this game. It's at home. We're a touchdown favorite, and I picked us publicly to win the game. I am going back to my prior position. <laughs> I will not pick Louisville to win this game until I actually see it with my own eyes. I I, I can't do it. I'm not gonna do it again. Like everyone's gonna rank Louisville ahead of Kentucky. Going into next season, Louisville's in all of these early top 25s. Kentucky's in none of them that I've seen so far. The transfer portal numbers are starting to make everybody take notice. The Cards have the number one transfer portal class in America right now. Um, the hype's going to build. Every national person, when they do the whole, like, how many games is Louisville going to win this season, I feel like they're going to take us to beat Kentucky. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I refuse to do it. I won't do it until it actually happens. If, if Jeff Brom gets it done next November, cool. 12 months from now, I'll be talking about how we're never going to lose to him again. But for right now, I'm going to have to see it first. Well, just because you're not picking it doesn't mean I can't. It's fun. Well, I wish you wouldn't because, again, you... you <laughs> okay, what? I'll take the guarantee off of it. Thank you. I don't think you're allowed to do another guarantee if you miss the first one. You're probably right. I think yeah. it's, I've lost my guarantee privileges. It's, it's, it's over. You guaranteed Miami was going to beat Louisville. Although, I wish you would guarantee that Connecticut would beat Louisville next year. That's, <laughs> maybe that's what we need to pivot to. But, I mean, yeah, I mean... If you if you look at this defense now, and by the way, <clears throat> just since it's just us talking, sharing secrets, I don't think Louisville's done when it comes to flipping guys, transfer portal players who are currently committed to SEC schools. I think there may be another one coming pretty soon. Alabama? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying. Or they got a lot of guys out there. Yeah, that the big the freshman safety into the portal today. We're not getting him, <laughs> but I mean, I would love to. Is that Downs? Yeah. Um. Who was? so ridiculously good this year they're talking about him being like the best safety in, in college football history by the time he gets done um yeah we'll see what happens there but i think there's another there's somebody else somebody else out there who could be looking good for us just keep an ear out keep an eye out keep two eyes out keep two ears out but for right now i think you look at what louisville's been able to not just bring in, but bring back. You're bringing back your two best defensive players from last year with Quincy Riley and Ashton Gelati both coming back. You've bolstered your secondary. You've gone out and got some really good talent there. Uh, you brought. I mean, we got three guys from Tennessee that have played big time snaps over over the last few years for an SEC program that's had success. Uh, Tamari McDonald can come in and, and challenge Ben Perry at that star position. Wesley Walker can help at the safety position. I think you're also you're, you're going to bring back Devin Neal, who I know it ended on a sour note for him. He did not play well in the Holiday Bowl against USC and was not great against Kentucky either. But for the most part, he was a ball hawk. He, he led you in interceptions last year. He had a really, really good start to his year. I think he's going to come back and help you at the safety position. They're bringing back some other players. I, I think you feel good about the secondary, and you feel good about the defensive line. I think you look at the linebackers, and as good as they were, you know they were the most maybe the most pleasant surprise on the team for the first seven eight games of last season because we had concerns we didn't go out as the one position we didn't really bolster ourselves in the transfer portal we just banked on a lot of the guys who were coming back and hadn't played a ton of snaps just getting a lot better and they did like, like Jalen Alderman was really good Quinn and Watts were, were really good and at the end of the season I don't know if it was teams adjusting or if it was just guys who had not played that many snaps in a full season before 
kind of hitting a wall. The linebackers sort of played like we feared they were going to going into the season. And I think that's still, it's a position of a little bit of concern going into next year. I mean, you know, you're losing, what, Stephen Heron's gone. You bring back Quinn. You bring back Jalen Alderman. You still got Gilbert Frierson. I think that they're like hoping and praying that they're going to hang on to Stan Quan Clark. And if he does step up and become a guy that you can give big time snaps at the middle linebacker position or even outside linebacker, like that's a huge deal for you because I think he's at some point, whether it's here or somewhere else, is going to be a fantastic college football player. But linebacker is the one place that I look at and I'm like, it's going to have to be better than it was towards the tail end of last season if we're going to be this team that's that we're hoping is going to flirt with the playoff, flirt with another conference championship game appearance, all that good stuff. That it, It's got to get better. But everywhere else, Jeff Brom has gone out there and either brought key guys back or found help from the portal. I think it's going to be a good defense next season. I'm very, very excited about it. I wish football started next week. <laughs> I, I, I'm ready for spring practice at this point. Like, I, There's only so much you can talk about coaching searches, only so much you can talk about ACC games that you're favored uh, or predicted to lose by 20. Like, I, I never, I don't know if you're, you know, I know you grew up an Indiana football fan, but spring practice just never really did it for me. Oh, same. Even when we were good, like I, I would read the reports, but I, I went to several spring games and it was just always kind of like, yeah, you know, it's, what are we really learning here this year? I think we may do like live radio shows at spring practices. It's just, it's, it's all I care about now. It's all I'm focused on. It's, it's funny because your mindset now in the middle of bas- basketball season, I don't know why I said that like a country guy you're fine basketball basketball um, they're playing in <laughs> what you're feeling now is what i normally feel in the middle of college football season like can we just get this over with and get to college basketball please well i mean i think every every fan base in this area has gone through that at one point or, yeah. or, or the other right sure. like indiana yeah. kentucky and louisville are not exactly known for their consistent football prowess and that's changed in recent years for all three teams i mean i mean you know kentucky definitely has taken steps forward under mark stoops they, they've become more of a consistent presence in the SEC. You know, they, they're always going to bowl games. They seem to always be winning at least a few games in the SEC, and they've dominated Louisville the last five years. Louisville certainly has been a bit up and down, but for the last two decades, the last two decades have been the most successful in the history of Louisville football, and it's not really close. Besides the the couple of years under Howard in the early 90s, they've never been capable of what they've been doing under Petrino and Strong and, and now Jeff Brom. So that changes things. Then IU, you know, a couple flashes in the pan there to to get the fan base back. You know, there's an old saying that says basketball schools are really just football schools waiting to get good at football. And I think it's true. I mean, everybody falls in love with football when football is good. Um, basketball is a nice distraction when when football sucks for a lot of programs. And I know for us it's life, but that's just not the way it is across the rest of the country. And you're right. I mean, there have been lots of football seasons where it's like, hey, I can't wait for basketball but the good thing there is basketball is always just right around the corner you know Kentucky fans would always do the thing where when they lose that game in late September or early October that kind of torpedoed their year it's basketball season now we're flipping the page and you can't really do that when it's January 17th unfortunately right we'll take a break when we come back four o'clock hour we'll turn things over to you guys it's your show it's your turn to talk 502-414-1450 text all your thoughts into the Thornton's text line and we'll hear them after the break it's the Mike Rutherford show on the Big X
two here of the Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450, one The Big X. Mike Rutherford here with Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus. Follow him on Twitter at Justin Kalen, K-A-E-L-I-N-P-X-P, play-by-play extraordinaire. Scoots, uh, before we get to the Thornton sex line here, 502-414-1450, I did a like, USA Today podcast today where nice. the basic theme is like they have sports people on to talk about non-sports pop culture, like one thing, like one show, one movie, one book, one whatever, something that they feel like they can talk about and have a little bit of fun with. Like, you know, as much as you may love Schindler's List, they, they'd prefer if it's something a little bit more lighthearted that you can have a discussion about. <laughs> sure. Let me ask you first, like if this were you, if somebody said, hey, like want to have you on for a non-sports conversation about a piece of pop culture, some movie, some book, some, some TV show that you really like, we can have a fun 30 minute back and forth. What would you go with? Uh, Ted. Okay, I've, yeah. the good answer. Yeah, I enjoy the first Ted. I've I saw the second yeah, one. Yeah, the second one kind of sucked. It was not good. Yeah. I think there's what well, there's another one now that's like a prequel coming out. Uh, they, yeah, right? they did announce one. Although that's one of those things I'll believe it when I see it type of deal. I feel like I always see ads for it on like uh, one of the the stream maybe Peacock. Okay, well that's good. One of the streaming apps. That's good. But I enjoy the first Ted. Oh, the first one I've seen no less than fifty times. I love that movie so damn much. I went with, and anybody who's followed me for extended period of time, this should not surprise you. For other people, it may shock you. I went with Laguna Beach, the MTV classic from the the, the mid aughts. Sure, yeah. Which I was a big fan of in college, and it was fun to talk about. Like the so Caroline, who I used to work with, who now works at USA Today, was a big fan, and she she knew what she was talking about. The guy. Uh, Matt, who's who's written for a number of years for USA Today, had never seen it, so he watched a few episodes to prepare for the episode, and he was talking about how he remembered, you know, like like it's obviously it's a show that was sort of supposed to be targeted at a younger female audience, but he remembered like guys getting together and like watching the show together. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I remember being targeted towards boys for sure. Like like so, it was it came out my sophomore year of college is when it started. And it was so funny that he said that because one of my first memories is like once it started to get popular and we all kind of got into it, like fourth, fifth week, it was my sophomore year of school. And I, n- I never was in a frat in college, but I did have friends that were like the classic stereotype, like big former high school athletes, like frat guys. And they would come over to our apartment and you would have guys who'd be like, all right, I don't want to sound like a D-bag, but when this starts, like everybody shut the hell up. And like, <laughs> you know, like doing that thing. And it was so funny to have that conversation, but it was, it was a fun talk. It was a nice little trip down memory lane. Shout out to uh, to LC, Kristen, Steven, and the gang. We love you. Big fans of Laguna Beach. Did you ever do the real world thing? What do you mean? Watch real world? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, I liked real world a whole lot. Real world was like the first, because it was the first reality show that was ever on. And, you know, it was like, I was big into that growing I mean, MTV at one point in time just had a stranglehold on, like, teenage television like they, they just were everywhere and now it's like it's all just ridiculousness 24 hours a day it doesn't exist if you're if you're a 16 year old now you probably don't even know what mtv is which is crazy real world was one of those shows that so i was i guess i don't know 14 13 14 when it came out I, the one that i watched was which was san diego oh yeah and I, and I always knew i liked girls but that was like the one show that i started watching was like oh yeah i really like girls that was like what cameron yeah cameron and, oh my god who she's cameron. on she ended up going on southern charm which is like the one reality show that I, i'd been watching before we started watching vanderpump rules as like an adult like she was on She's on Southern Charm, and she's still very attractive. But yeah, San Diego, I remember it was my freshman year of college. We all were still very into it. I think, I think that was the last one that I was like into. Yeah, same here. I think that may have been the only season I watched. Las but Vegas, yeah, you're right, Cameron. Las Ugh. Vegas was my senior year of high school, and 
that was also a very influential. That, that was when they started getting really slutty in like, mm-hmm. the seasons, where it was. It used to be sort of really taboo that they would ever talk about somebody on the show having sex. And in Las Vegas, like they ho- like people were hooking up like the very first night. It's like, oh, okay, like that's the type of season we're gonna have here. And it was it was good. It was all good. The best, my favorite story about like the real world when it got started is you know John from season one, right? I think I think he was from season one. He's from Owensboro. Like he's a big. He ends up becoming a Kentucky country music artist. Like he's he's still kind of like a relatively big deal around the state. But he's also the reason why they just John Brennan. John Brennan, yeah. He's the biggest reason why they they changed the whole layout for the houses because you know after the first season they never had TVs around because apparently he just like sat around and watched TV the, the, the entire time and they're like all right we need more conflict we need more interaction so we can't have anybody being John again we got to take the TVs out of the house so they never had TVs after the first season well that makes sense because he's now driving Uber to pay his bills oh well see he's not doing that great <laughs> he had a good run he enjoyed himself he was he was famous for a while him and Puck and and the gang yeah. Big real world, but MTV for, for a period of time was 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 crazy. But my whole argument for Laguna Beach was it transformed reality TV because it was the first reality show that didn't have like the shaky cam everywhere and didn't yeah. use the confessionals. They had like the setup shots and so much so that nobody could figure out if it was real or not. Everyone was like they had to put the little disclaimer on at the beginning of the show saying this is real. We just it looks different. It looks like a a scripted show. Great program. It was a great program. 502-414-1450 or Minor Thornton's is hooking you up with the best deals all winter long. If you want to save some money on some gas, if you're taking a road trip, if you want to save some money on inside, if you want to need a cup of coffee in the morning, stop into one of this area's 28,962 Thornton's locations. Use the Refreshing Rewards app on your phone, which is easy to download. Save yourself some money both inside and outside. And then text us at 502-414-1450. Are you laughing? No, that was the sound of my fill the chill ice. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, 89 cents. Shout out. Best deal in town. 89 cents. I didn't know if that was still going. I know it was a deal last year, but we don't. We still have the commercials that yep. I think are Nope, same, are same deal now. 89 cents for a gigantic ass drink from Thornton's. Do all that and then text us at 502-414-1450. Texas did say John Brennan is the biggest dork. My buddy grew up with him in Owensboro and says he sucks. <laughs> I can buy it. <laughs> Seeing the one picture I saw of him, I can buy it. There, well, there you go. Texture says... Uh, in what bizarre world are we living in where Cincinnati fans are storming the court after beating TCU in basketball? According to the announcers, it's the first court storming in USC arena history. I watched the end of the game. I think my phone was on. I was putting John to sleep, but I saw the court storm, but my phone was on silent. So I didn't hear them say that. One, I did think it was strange that Cincinnati students are, are storming after beating TCU. I know TCU's ranked. I know Cincinnati's had some hard times, but they were favored in the game. And you're still a program that historically has been like way better than TCU. TCU's done nothing in basketball for its history, and Cincinnati's been really, really good. It would be like Louisville next year, and kind of along the same lines. Like we have famously like never really stormed. We had kind of a mild storm after the the Syracuse game at Freedom Hall, but it would be like if we got good next year, like just kind of okay, fringe top twenty five, good, and then we beat I don't know a ranked Virginia Tech team in a game that we were a two-point favorite in, and the fans stormed the floor. Like, come on, right? It seems a little ridiculous. Right? Am I wrong? No. Seems strange. Texas says, look, say what you want about Kenny Payne, but he won his opening press conference with the Kenny Klein prep me for that question joke alone. I don't know if he won it. I did like the joke. And, and any reference to Kenny Klein is going to be a thumbs up from me. 
But the yeah, the it was, it's hard to lose an introductory press conference when you're coming in as a a hire that I think the fan base is in support of, which most fans were of Kenny Payne. And even if they're not, like people want to get behind you when you've gone through a little bit of a tough time. So yeah, the, the introductory press conference was was okay. It was fine. I, I did enjoy the Kenny Klein line. Texas, once I heard that Scoots was a 9 out of 10 confidence that IU was going to win last night, I went and bet Purdue to win by 11+, plus, and I now have half of next month's rent <laughs> paid for. Thank you, Scoots. Hey, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, when you – you also did kind of pull a TK by doing the whole, like, you you were 9 out of 10 on a confidence level, and then when you were asked to pick the actual game, you were like, I am not can't pick IU to win, but I think they're definitely going to cover the 9-point spread. I was like, well, hold on. If you're basically saying you're a 9 out of 10 that they're going to win, that's like a 90% confidence level, and then you didn't pick Indiana to win. Yeah, I should have been like a 7. Looking back. We should have been like a 2.7 for being <laughs> real. Looking, looking back. Texas says, uh, Mike, the word is that you are redirecting John's high school fund to the 502 circle. Can you confirm whoever it is stepping up, we appreciate you? Yeah, that's, that's all me. My kids won't go to college, but we've got Tyler Barron for next year. You're welcome. We made that happen. Actually, we would have been like one of the our, our donation would have been one of the lower players in the transfer portal. Not as good as Tyler Barron. I am kind of fascinated by Louisville's NIL situation because like I, I get asked this a lot by people that that don't like follow Louisville football that much that, that are just sort of reaching out and being like, "Hey, like, how is this happening?" And I don't have a firm answer for them. Everybody knows that we have all this NIL money for football. And that we've been using, it. and this, this doesn't just talk. This isn't just discussing the transfer portal the last couple of years. I mean, go back to Scott Satterfield's recruiting class that Brom was able to keep the pieces of with with Clarkson and Aaron Williams, and at one point had Ruben Owens and DeAndre Moore, and all these kids from California and Texas and, and places where we've never recruited that were high four star, low five star prospects that were suddenly going to to Louisville, and everyone just assumed that's an NIL deal. But how exactly is it happening? I don't know. I, I don't know who the big donors are. I don't know where the money's coming from. All I know is that we have it and we're using it wisely. Why it's not happening on the basketball side of things is anybody's guess. The only, I mean, I haven't talked with, with Dan Furman. Um, I haven't talked with anybody associated with the 502 Circle and the NIL Collectives in the last couple of months, but I did have conversations like, like almost a year ago, I guess a little bit less than a year ago, and the sense then was, you know, everyone's talking about how football has all this money and basketball doesn't. And like they were saying, like Kenny Payne's got a pool of money to work from. He's got a large money of pool to use. He's just not doing it right now. And I don't know if, if Payne's recent comments about needing to use the transfer portal are reflective of, of his sudden willingness to dip into those funds. But if he's not going to do it, I can pretty much guarantee whoever's after him is going to utilize that. So hopefully we can get to you know, make the same types of waves with basketball from an NIL perspective as as football's making right now because they're definitely they're definitely making it happen. Texas Mike say UNC makes a deep ish run like an Elite Eight and Duke loses on the first weekend of the tournament. How much pressure is put on John Shire and how soon? A ton of pressure on John Shire and immediately because. You know they had, they had the good year last year, a, a decent enough year last year, right? They, I think they wound up being a four seed in the NCAA tournament, and they were a very, very, very trendy pick to win that uh, th- that region because the region was sort of wide open. They just won the conference tournament, and they got 
blasted by Tennessee in, in the second round. They, they, they destroyed Oral Roberts, and everybody was like, here we go. I think Duke became the betting favorite in that region after the first round, and then Tennessee comes out and just bullies them, just whomps them, beats them by, by 13. And then they bring back most of the best players from that team. You bring back Filipowski, you bring back Jeremy Roach, you bring back Tyrese Proctor, and you bring in the number one recruiting class in the country, and they got a ton of love as the preseason number one team in the country going into this year. I think it flipped most people ended up having Kansas by the time they actually got to their October, early November previews. But Duke was, they were right there in terms of people saying, they're my preseason pick to win the national title. If you look at the preseason AP poll, they ended up, uh, you know, they were number two. They were second in first place votes and they were second overall in points. How are their freshmen shaking out? I haven't even heard anything about them. Well, that's the reason. I mean, you know, they're now what? They're number thirteen in the rankings. They've lost uh, three games. Their freshman Jerry McCain's been pretty good. I, I think he's the only one who's scoring at, at, at a fairly high level, which is understandable given the fact that they brought back so much from last year. Filipowski's been their best player. Jeremy Roach has been kind of the same hit or miss guy that he's been throughout his college career. I think they're just hoping that he has another big March run like he did two seasons ago. Um, I think Caleb Foster's been pretty good, but not like. You know, he's not averaging double figures or anything like that. Just feels like on a normal year, we just get Duke freshmen shoved down our throat, like from ESPN and all that. And the Whereas way, the, that's not been the case this year. You're right. And, and the weird thing is, too, like Jared McCain, like I remember Louisville recruited him. He's got a huge social media following. Like he's one of those kids where it was the conversation was kind of, is the hype justified? You know, he, he was a five star kid, but. He had like a ton of TikTok followers because he did crazy moves in games and a ton of Instagram followers. And it was almost like his, you know, it was like a kind of a mini Zion situation where people were, were questioning if he was good enough to have all this attention. And he's been pretty good this year and you still haven't heard a ton about him. Like I am surprised that, that we haven't gotten more attention on these Duke freshmen, but I guess the reason is none of them are, the, are Duke's best players. Like I mean, Filipowski is their best player and it's not really that close. TJ Powers putting up 2.4 points a game. Like what? It's not good. It's not good. I don't know where they are in. Let me pull up like an NBA mock draft right now. Like I, I don't know if these guys are still because we've reached the point now where with so many players hanging around for so many years in college sports, like you'll have a ton of freshmen that don't put up like any numbers at all, and they still end up getting drafted in the top fifteen. Like when the draft rolled around last year, and Michigan had what like three first round picks. I was like, "What? Michigan, Michigan sucked last year, and none of these kids did anything." But they still, you know, people are still drafting on potential. Like Filipowski right now on NBA Draft.net, which I know isn't the best source, but it was the easiest to pull up. Filipowski's the only first round pick they have going from Duke. They've got Jared McCain going in the second round, and that's it. Like they don't they don't have any of these other kids getting drafted. So maybe that's because they think that they're going to go the Filipowski route and use NIL and come back for a second season, but. Whatever the reason is, like they haven't been, they haven't been as good as we thought they were going to be. And the Texas right, like North Carolina, being better after having such a down year last year is putting pressure on John Shire because I think that you know, Duke kind of having just a, a whatever season by their standards last year was was fine with it being Shire's first year, and it was aided by the fact that like Hubert Davis collapsed a- after taking the team to the national title game, and. You know, Duke also beat North Carolina on. They swept the series last year, so like, so like you know, John Shire had the leg up. If he's flaming out as the the preseason number two team, and Carolina ends up going like like the Texas said to the Elite Eight or or beyond, I do think there's some pressure on Shire to step up and 
be like, hey, I'm I'm more like Coach K than you're giving me credit for because people you know, they're not gonna have much patience there. I did see on trending on Twitter. I did like a double take just a second ago. It was like Coach K, and then right underneath it said R.I.P. Coach. And I was like, oh bleep. But apparently, like the um, oh yeah, the, the, the Warriors assistant coach. for the Warriors yeah. had a heart attack last night, Dijon yeah. Milosevic. And during a team dinner too, that, that's tough. Passed away at forty six, which is you know that's that's awful, and it would be tough for them to over. And they're already kind of having a bad season, mm-hmm. so that's awful news. Texture says, "Hot take here. I think Garendo has a better chance in the NFL than Jawar Jordan. His size and vision just seem more likely to translate. Isaac's vision was very underrated. The difference between him and Maurice Turner in the bowl game was glaring. You're, you're totally right about the last part." The staff went into the bowl game openly saying, like, we want to get Maurice Turner involved because we think he's the future. Like, we think he can be the lead back next year. We want to get him tons of touches. And then, like, by the midway through the second quarter, you realize you can't do that. Like, like Isaac Garendo is the stud here. The offense is flying down the field when he's in the games. When Maurice Turner is checking in, like, he's not seeing the holes, he's not hitting the holes, and, and the offense is stagnant, and we certainly can't win with Jack Plummer throwing the ball 50 times a game. So let's ride Garendo. And Garendo was basically the entire offense in that game. As far as him having a better chance of being a running back in the NFL than, than Jawar, I don't hate the opinion. You, I, I, I certainly acknowledge that you might be right. I think I would still go with Jawar just because it, it's such a speed game now. Everyone's looking for that explosive back that they can use for a little pop pass, a little jet sweep, a little whatever. And Jawar, when he's fully healthy, if he does get back to being fully healthy – Certainly fits that mold better than than Isaac Rendo does, but there's I, I think you can find a place for both those guys. I, I think because Jawar right now, according to most sites, I, I saw he got a little bit of love from one of these draft guys on Twitter the other day, but on most sites they haven't projected to be a fifth, sixth, seventh round. I think it's going to come down to how he he fares at like the combine and on pro day. People want to see that numbers. The speed was eye popping in the first half of last year. And then after he had the, the the lower body injuries, he just didn't have the same. He was a step or five slower, and teams didn't get lit up by him the way that he just destroyed Notre Dame and destroyed some of these other guys in, in the first seven games of the season. So if he has that bounce back, if he's fully healthy and he's running a, a really solid 40 in some of these other drills or, or, or he has some eye-popping times, I think he could wind up being you know, fourth, fifth round pick, maybe third round pick. But if it doesn't happen, he's probably slipping down there and maybe having to be an, a, an undrafted free agent. And I, I don't think Isaac will get drafted. But again, if he puts up better than expected numbers at the combine or on, on pro day, maybe he can slide in there. I, I still he'll get a shot. He'll definitely have a shot to prove himself. And you may very well be right. But I would right now, I, I would bet on Jawar having the better chance, especially if he gets drafted in Miami. They and like speed. They love that speed. Yeah, for sure. Texas says Mike and John play point guard. The fan base may need him as well. I'm working with John. Here, here's the, the concern. So Jeff Greer is my my arch friend of me, right? We've been friend of me since he got here, and now we both have we have boys about the same age. His son is is two. John's two, and Greer sends me a video the other day of uh, of his son Theo like raining jumpers. He, he's hitting like twenty footers on his little tyke goal. He's he's stepping back. He's doing pump fakes, and John's just nowhere interested in that. Like I I can barely get him to like go up there and dunk the ball in the basement. I'm like we gotta. <laughs> We gotta fix this. Like Theo's, he's embarrassing us right now. We gotta—he's ripping line drives off his t-ball thing. I can't get John to hold the bat with two hands. I'm like, come on, man. The fact that he's got 
an older sister and an older cousin who's always over at our house who are just constantly playing with princesses just isn't helping. Like we we need we need another older brother here. Like I had two brothers who were I think Oliver was was eleven when I was born and Paul was 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 like fifteen. So I had two brothers who were basically like teens and preteens who were just like tackling the hell out of me and like throwing me on the ground and like making me play basketball and stuff. Like I, I never had a choice. I, I I can't do it myself here with John, but I need somebody to step up. Somebody's gonna Virginia's gotta have to have to help me out a little bit. Come on, Virginia. Virginia's I mean she didn't like sports though. She just she oh she the other day I was like we're watching basketball. I was like Virginia, what's your favorite sport? And she was like um none of them. I was like <laughs> I was like I knew it, but just hearing you say it say it just just stung a little bit. Texas says uh, you said you don't know if we're done with transfers. Are we talking today? Are we talking offense? Are we talking defense? We're just talking. We're just talking. We're talking whenever. We're talking keep your eyes to the sky. Texas Baron and Gelati are giving opposing quarterbacks PTSD next year. It's a good thing, too, because I know we looked at the schedule going into the year and we thought we were going to play a bunch of really good quarterbacks, and some of those guys ended up being just kind of, you know, whatever. Um, I think next year's schedule, you are going to play a handful of, of better passing teams. I mean, I don't know if Notre Dame is going to be better throwing the ball with Riley Leonard than they were this past year with Sam Hartman. Certainly, they weren't great against us because we owned Sam Hartman, but we also kind of owned Riley Leonard last year. But you look at, like, you know, we've got some of the better quote. We're going to have to go up against Cam Ward at Miami. Um, we're going to have to go up against, you know, Kate Clubbing's going to throw the ball at, at Clemson for sure. We're going to have to be good in the secondary, but we're also going to have to continue to get, get consistent pass rushers. As stout as the secondary was at times last year, the defense was at its best when we were getting constant pressure on the quarterbacks. And that didn't happen in the UK game. It certainly did not happen in the USC game. And you saw, like, when we stopped getting to the quarterback, when our blitzes stopped getting home and we had to start bringing more guys to get that pressure, that's when the defense started giving up some big, huge chunk plays. And I think, you know, Brom said it, I, I want to say it was the weekend after the Notre Dame game before we lost to Pitt, where he was talking about, you know, we've, we've simplified things on offense. We've also kept things simple on defense because our basic package is getting home. Like, like we're not ha- we're we're bringing four guys and they're getting to the quarterback. Ashton's getting there, or Ramon's getting there, or Mason's getting there, and, and so we don't need to bring a ton of corner blitzes. We don't need to do it a lot with our linebackers. And I think right after he said that, that kind of changed. Like we stopped being able to get home just playing our base defense, and we had to start doing more extravagant things, and that left. You know, some cornerbacks on islands, it left some safeties on islands, it left some linebackers in unfavorable matchups, and, and we started getting exploited a little bit. So if we can get back to getting that consistent pressure without having to bring a ton of guys, and I think having Barron certainly will help that, then, yeah, the defense has a chance to be back to doing the things that they were doing in the first half of the season when they're shutting out Duke and, and you know, they're, they're holding NC State to 10 points. And, you know, it was, it was that was fun. We need more of that. Texture says, listening to the podcast from yesterday, and I just heard Scoot say to Panga over Kelly Kapowski, I will now view all of his opinions going forward through the lens that he is insane. I don't know. I just, I, I, I prefer, here's what it comes down to for me, Texture. I prefer women with a little bit more meat on their bones. And Topanga was bigger than Kelly Kapowski. I, I can't do the skeletons. See, like, I'm not going to be as strong as the Texture. I disagree. I'm a Kapowski guy. Always have been, always will be. I married a woman who gets compared to Kelly Kapowski. It was I never had a choice. I saw Did she like, really. It was done I mean, all the time. Like people, yeah. <laughs> but 
I'm not going to sit here and act like Topanga wasn't a goddess either, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're choosing, I mean, tomato, tomato, right? It's pizza versus ice cream, right? right. Like, exactly. Either way is, 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 is the best. I just happen to like ice cream more. And I'm fine with that. I, I disagree, but I'm fine with it. I'm not going to – you can't go wrong. Texas says, how about – is it that old Miss DB? He's coming with Baron too. Safe to say Brahm and company didn't appreciate Kiffin and his gang toying with us. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe onto something. Maybe. Maybe. Crystal Plummer says, I'm a Jersey Shore guy. That's yeah, that's acceptable. I right. was a Jersey Shore guy. We all at, at the end of this podcast episode, the the guy hosting it did put me and Caroline into a trivia competition that was all early two thousands reality TV. And I didn't miss one. And it got to a I was like kind of embarrassed. I was like, I was like <laughs> I was like, I know it, but yeah. But the last question was for her. And it was uh, you know, Jersey Shore developed this saying that went like national and it was GTL. It's not just a saying, it's a way of life. What did GTL stand for? Jim Tan Laundry. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She, and she she got it. I was like, if you didn't get it, I can't like, believe I had to think about that that long. Yeah. I know. It was like, come on. But it was, I, I beat her three to two, I think. But I, in fairness, the first question that she got, I would not have gotten. So if you just reverse the questions, she would have won the competition. But And one of them I did kind of guess on. Because I, I never watched. What was the the show about Hugh Hefner and his his wives at the Playboy Mansion? Um, it was a popular reality show for a while. The, the Holly Madison was on it. And I'm she not sure of that one. I never, I, I never really watched it. But the question was how many of his wives were featured on the show. And I just, I, I just straight guessed three. Nailed it. Felt pretty good. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys on the Thornton's text line. If you've got thoughts, if you've got questions, hit us up at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Game day Wednesday here on 1450-961. Big X. I said, are you going to be my girl? Back in Wednesday edition of my brother for show. Do you have a theme today, Scoots? Uh, no. Okay. Just a genre. Just want some Aussie. Well, I, I was thinking about like because I didn't want to do like the lame uh, get hype, let's win, celebrate type of deal. Yeah. So yeah, I just went with like music that should hype you up a little bit. Okay. Well, is it not working? I mean, second hour, or the third not, hours, third hours where it's at. If you've been displeased so far, it's not your fault. It's <laughs> we're 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 twenty one and a half point underdogs. <laughs> as much as I want to get like hyped up for this game, it it's tough feeling like you're going into a massacre. You know, it's, yeah, I get it. When you're going into a game where a win is, hey, like if they had a chance in the second half and they only lose by twelve, like that's pretty impressive based on the fact that we're a tw- like that's it's a little bit different. Would you have preferred like a slower downtrodden type of music? Then no, no, okay. no, no. Again, it's not you. Okay, I did see Bray Brom just now tweeting. Another we, bomb. We ain't done yet. Hashtag transfer to the Ville. I told you, Brady Brom bomb. We ain't done yet. I think that's some, that's a tongue twister. Well, he's, it's Brady Brom. Brady Brom Bomb. Brady Brom Bomb. He knows what he's doing. We ain't done yet. I'm sure this one will drop at 610. Can't wait for that. 
You'll read about it on Card Chronicle when you get home after the radio show. We won't be able to talk about it here. That's fine. It's okay. Again, Card's taking on uh, North Carolina tonight. 9 o'clock tip-off. It's late. Drink that late coffee. Whatever you got to do to stay up. ACC Network has the television coverage. 970 WGTK will have you covered on the radio side uh, as the Cards head to Chapel Hill as a lopsided underdog. The second biggest point spread against Louisville since they started doing this thing back in 1991-92. The largest, 23.5 last year against Kentucky. So hopefully this goes better than that did. But what are you going to do? A little bit of uh, NBA draft, uh, not NBA draft, but NBA buzz. We're coming up on the trade deadline. Some teams looking for some help as they make uh, playoff pushes. Terry Rozier, who's had a a very nice year, getting some all-star buzz for the Charlotte Hornets, was especially uh, productive when LaMelo Ball was out. He's now looking to be a viable trade candidate in the team that reportedly is looking at him the most, the Miami Heat. Hmm. Rogier was a big time, if you remember this from his days at Louisville, a big time Dwayne Wade fan growing up. Like loved those Heat teams. He mocked his game or modeled his game after Dwayne Wade. Uh, we, we was obsessed with him. Like when he got to meet him as a rookie, he was all about it. So I think that he would welcome a move to the Miami Heat. And also, you know, you're just kind of you're wasting away down there in Charlotte, where they have terrible basketball teams. He's putting up these gaudy numbers, and nobody else is helping him. Yeah. You know. Would love to see him go to a contender. It'd be nice to see Terry back in the playoffs doing a scary Terry thing. Uh, averaging right now 24 points per game, 6.8 assists per game, 3.8 rebounds, and 1.1 steals. Shooting 46% from the field and 37% from three as the Hornets starting point guard. He's had a hell of a year. And like this is the time in his career where it's if you want to get back to making pushes in the playoffs and get back to getting that last big contract, it's time to make it happen. Would love to see him. He's in his prime. Let's get it done. Love Terry. Big Terry guy. Scary Terry. Scary Terry. I had, I had a Scary Terry t-shirt. It was like totally horribly made. and It, it was like it was not comfortable, but I bought one when he was in the playoffs and making that run with Boston. That's a, that would be an easy Halloween costume for him, just dress up scary. I think he just, and you, then they ask what he is, Scary Terry. Well, he just wear, puts on the screen mask, whereas his, his Celtics jersey, that was the whole, the whole show. Oh, that, that was a thing? Yeah, it was just Scary oh, okay. Terry. It was, it was a big thing. <laughs> 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Uh, we'll go back to you guys. For the, the, the rest of this hour, and then we'll get back into the North Carolina conversation in hour number three. Maybe have some football news, uh, in addition to Tyler Barron. Texter says, the dude from the real world sang an anthem at a Cards men's basketball game. Are we still talking about John Brennan? Must be. I was also, in, uh, also, Lee, I was also informed by a friend during the break. You were mentioning the, the real world San Diego season. Mm-hmm. Jamie from that that. That season became like kind of a famous actress. She was the you know, she was she was Asian. She was very attractive. Oh, she ended up yeah. becoming she was Ed Helms's wife in the second Hangover movie, and she's been in some other stuff since then too. I think she was on the, the new season of Dexter. Wow, how did I not put that together? Very yeah, San Diego was a was a very good season. She's in Grown Ups. She she was in Grown Ups. That's exactly right. Yeah, she's yeah, she rules. She's very cool. I mean, she did a, a couple of the Real World Road Rules battles, uh, the challenges after that. She was, yeah, she was, she was kind of like almost like too nice though to be on that San Diego season. Yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, I was a big fan in the you know the Las Vegas season. You had Trishel was the big name out there because she was kind of trashy and, and she was doing stuff. I was a big Bryn fan. I thought she was very cute. I enjoyed Bryn. That's my <laughs> contribution to this conversation. My favorite, uh, like, were my real world when I was doing the show with John Ramsey. Yeah, he's John's from a different era. When I would bring up silly crap like this, he would just roll his eyes and be like, uh, "Like nobody cares about this." And we had somebody on the show as a writer previewing one of the games who was from Walla Walla, Washington. And I was like, "The only thing I know about Walla Walla, Washington is that Tanya from Real World 
was from Walla Walla. And like John was like, I could feel him being like, no, don't do it. Don't bring it. And the guy was like, I know Tanya. He's like, we went to high school together. And I was like, yes. I was like, thank God. He's like, like, she's definitely the most famous person from Walla Walla. I was like, it's just fun to say. Walla Walla. Walla Walla, Washington. Texas, didn't the ACC issue a reprimand for Grace Nallen? That still didn't stop him from tripping players. Did they, I'm sure they did. The only thing that I remember was the the infamous uh, Mike Krzyzewski indefinite suspension of Grayson Allen that lasted one game. Because you get a lot of there's an added oomph when you do the indefinite thing when people are like, "Ooh, indefinite. That could be that could be forever. He may never come back." And Krzyzewski was like, "Or it could mean he misses one game against uh, you know Wyoming and then plays the next game against Kentucky, which is what wound up happening." The Grayson Allen tripping thing was one of the the funnier crazy things that, that's ever happened it was wild he just couldn't stop himself right like he, he like literally just like lost it and that was also one of those things where doing college basketball media stuff you get like, as a fan i definitely fall into the trap too where i'm like why are they still talking about this who cares about this and when the grace Allen tripping stuff was happening anytime you posted anything about grace Allen, just page views bonanza like people are going nuts they're, they're clicking on it and i'm like you know, people are like why are you still writing about this guy i'm like well i could write something you know really informative and, and deep about I don't, you know, this year's kansas state team and it could get like 980 page views or i can write some really quick crap about grace Allen and get like a billion page views i'm choosing to do it for my job uh, like he was he had the meltdown of the bench too where he was like slamming stuff like it was he just like he couldn't stop himself and it started against louisville we haven't really had any issues like that out of him in the NBA, though, right? Not that he I can He did recall. have one like in his first season, I feel like. The, the, uh, okay, yeah, I do remember I feel like he one. hasn't played enough to really be like that much of a Did you see last villain. week when, uh, who was it that was leaving the Suns game? Oh, well, I lost it. I can't remember who it was. It was a big celebrity, and she was waving bye to the bench, the Suns bench, and everybody thought she was waving goodbye to Grayson Allen, but she was waving bye to Devin Booker. No, why would it? Why would anybody think that somebody was waving goodbye to Grace? Because the, David Booker. It was the Devin way Booker. the it was the way the camera was. You couldn't see Booker. He was off to the left of where the camera was panned. Uh, it was Emma Stone, apparently. Emma Stone. Yeah, there you go. Of course, she's waving goodbye to, to Devin Booker. <laughs> Not Grace Allen. Is Grace Allen? Is he the biggest college basketball villain of our lifetime? He's got to be up there. Uh, I would say Hansborough, right? Hansborough was I mean he wasn't really a villain but when I think of Tyler Hansborough I think of He was the better. I think of the bloody nose and just the the hard way he played. Yeah, I mean he was definitely the most talked about. Like he, he was I mean I, I Christian Leitner is the other one that comes to mind and I know you you were young for that. I was I was young too, but I still remember the Kentucky game and I remember how much everybody hated him. Like Leitner would be up there. Grayson Allen though I'd say you're probably right on that. Like Hansborough was better. Grayson Allen was yeah. good in college, but Hansborough is is you know one of the, the probably the best college players of the last thirty years. Yeah, I mean, he won back to back Player of the Year, won a national title, you know, all that stuff. Like he was coming back in an era where nobody was coming back to school after earning big time individual accolades. But like he, he was more, I feel like he was more just weird, right? Like he had, he had this kind of just like social awkwardness about him. Like like the bloody nose thing was he got punched in the face by somebody. It wasn't like he did, made a dirty play. Right. It was Gerald Henderson made a dirty play against him. And yeah, he he like would like yell and stuff and go crazy. But as annoying as he was, he wasn't. It wasn't anything like malicious. Grayson Allen just tripping, dude. I mean, is there anything like worse than just tripping? 
it, it, it's it's such a passive aggressive well, it's physical what, thing to do. I mean, it's what we do when we're kids. Ex- exactly. Like it, it's the you know if you don't want to really fight somebody, but you're so mad, you have to do something. You know, you you, you kick their feet together, make them try to fall. He did it to race balling the first time. He also got slapped by Donovan Mitchell. Like we we, we were the OG Grace Allen haters, and then everybody else just followed suit. But he's he's got to be. If he's not the most hated college basketball player of the last thirty years, I think he's he's number two behind Leitner, I would say. Some of those white Duke guys just don't know how to behave. Texas says, I guarantee you, once we get a real and competent head coach, the NIL will pour in for basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to. The weirdest thing about the Kenny Payne era to me has been the lack of recruiting buzz, either in the traditional sense or with the transfer portal. Because with NIL and with Payne's connections and with his reputation, it was the one thing that you thought would take off. And I'm not even saying like we would land all these kids, but that we would constantly be hearing about, hey, this five star is visiting. Hey, that five star is interested. Hey, that five star has got Louisville in his final three. And then during the, the, the you know the, the spring, it'd be this big time player in the transfer portals talking about Louisville. This guy's going to decide between Louisville and Duke and between Louisville and Kentucky. And there's been just very very little of that. I know he ended up with a top uh, top six class last year in limited time, but it, like you know. He still like it wasn't like we were getting top fifteen kids, top twenty kids, and, and we did have a lot of buzz early on where it's like Elliot Cadeau, who we're going to see tonight for North Carolina, has Louisville on his list, and and he may visit, and you know AJ Johnson's going to visit, and then just it all fizzled out so quickly, and since that initial fizzle, it's just been nothing. Like like we we, you know, we had Carter Knox in town for a visit, and nobody actually believes he's going to commit to Louisville. And the only other kids that we're talking about as, as recruited, recruits right now in the traditional sense are like guys who are debating us in Miami of Ohio. It, it's just, it's so, it's so strange. And I do see a world where if we bring somebody in who's exciting to the fan base and exciting to the boosters and exciting to, to all these people, we're like immediately, we're reaping the benefits of a, a, a boost in NIL. But the other thing that's strange about it is all we've heard so much, all we've heard for the last like two years is if you fire Payne, you lose the big money guys. Like the, the big money boosters who wanted Kenny Payne to get the job in the first place, they'll leave. They're out. I mean, what are they doing now? Why aren't we getting better players? It's cool that we got Sky Clark and Trey White. Why couldn't we get even more from the transfer portal? Why couldn't we bring in a, a big-time, clear, one-and-done five-star guy? Like, why is that not happening? If we have all these guys with money supporting Kenny Payne, why are they not going into their pockets to make us one of the best NIL schools in the country, which appears to be what's happening on the football side of things? It doesn't make much sense to me. But I mean, even if those big boosters go away, new ones will step up and take their place, right? You would think so, right? There's it, a lot of money in Louisville. It's not like Louisville is a is a, yeah is a is a small town devoid of any money. You've got some. Solid, it's a it's a big time city without a pro sports team. And a lot of these businesses, when they're choosing to throw money around, that you know they're going to throw it at Louisville, or they're going to throw it at Kentucky. So you would think that people would step up. And I mean, like I know for a fact there are major boosters right now at U of L who like are very ready to move on from Kenny Payne, and who like are are beyond annoyed by how this whole thing is played out. Texas Scoots, have you ever heard of a space heater? I have heard of one. Yeah, I don't have one, but I've heard of them. About when we had that issue with our house, like. Three years ago, I bought like four giant space heaters. I was like, I can't live like this. Roush brought up a good point this morning. He said, why didn't you just go buy one and then return it three days later? You could have. I was like, yeah, yeah, that would have been a good idea. I could have brought one over for you. Well, I don't want to need it now. 
Giving it to Gil. Going to have me a nice warm house, baby. This is specifically for Gil. Don't let Justin use it. <laughs> this, this heater, it stays on the Gil side of the room. <laughs> Texas, can we have Topanga and Kelly Kapowski together at the same time? Like, what's wrong with eating pizza and ice cream at the same time? You can try. You, I mean, you got to eat ice cream after your pizza. You might be disappointed. Yeah. But it sounds good on paper, right? Sometimes those things do. And then you get there and you're like, oh, it's not as fun as I thought it'd be. But sometimes maybe it works. I don't know. <laughs> Texas, if you talk to Mark Spiegel, I believe he started the collective. And if you look him up, you'll be glad that he's helping us. Shout to Spiegs. I have. I talked to him uh, a while back. Very cool guy to talk to. Enjoyed the conversation. He let me in on um, a lot of things as far as like how this works and, and, and how it's going on. And I, I think I mentioned it on the show a couple days later about the conversation. He was, he was very interesting to talk to. I appreciated the transparency. Texas, what are some good player bets for NC tonight? Make me some money. That's a great question. I mean, I got to ask this already. I haven't looked at any of the, the bets that are out there. I mean, the safe bet is like North Carolina player props from three because, again, we don't defend the three very well and we're, we're trying a little bit more. I mean, I'm trying to think of what R.J. Davis if, – if the one guy that I would look at tonight, if I'm like – trying to maybe get a number i don't have the bets in front of me so i'm just i'm, trying to I'm like logging in i had to disconnect from the wi-fi yeah i need you to help me out here <laughs> the oh yeah i forgot we all, all this all the sites are blocked on Cannot the wi-fi connect here. to the wi-fi like cormac ryan who's the transfer from notre dame who's known as a, a a dead-eye shooter he hasn't really been shooting the ball that well from three so far this season he's under 30 percent. i didn't know that until i looked at their their team page today getting ready for the game if you can get an over under on like one and a half made threes for him tonight, I would I would hammer that over. Who is that? Cormac Ryan for for North Carolina. You can get two and a half at uh, plus money. The problem with that is I'm looking at his game log right now. He hadn't made more than two threes in a game since uh, he made four against Kentucky, which is over a month ago. He's he, due. Yeah, I mean he's gonna get open looks against us. I can guarantee that. What do you think about Harrison Ingram? One and a half. That's Harrison, also plus money. He's he's like a forty percent three-point shooter so mm-hmm. far this season he'll probably take i would take ingram over cormac ryan i might take both those rj davis is at two and a half what are the what are the the prop bets for armando baycott if you don't mind me asking if you can find those real quick uh for points it's 14 and a half okay uh let's see rebounds we've got 10 and a half i would look at those rebounds here's the, so baycott and we know this we, we know he's tortured us Baycott has averaged 13.2 points and 14.2 rebounds in five previous games against the Cards. He has 53 rebounds in his last three games against Louisville. He uh, set a, a career high back in the, the game where he mugged everybody and didn't foul out. When he's, he had 22 rebounds in the overtime win against the Cards in 2022, and then 15 that year at home. 16 at the KFC Yum Center last season, so 10 seems light. And he also has double doubles in all three of his last games against U of L. He's 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 still a walking double double. He's been a beast for them this year. Uh, over ten rebounds seems like a safe play to me. They're not offering a points, rebounds, assist combo on him, which is a bummer. Yeah, that is a bummer. I would just go with the the, the rebounds. I know Brandon Huntley Half has been playing better. He's he's done a good job defensively on some good big guys in recent weeks. Maybe he still can on offense, but I, I feel like. Yeah, we're gonna miss a lot of shots because we don't make a lot of shots. Should we look at Louisville side of things? Sure. Where do, where do you want to start? Threes or points? Give points. All right. So we've got uh, Mike James thirteen and a half. 
I don't like any of the Louisville props because I, I never know how anybody's going to play for Louisville. That's true. And here's the other thing too about this North Carolina team is they, you know, they just dropped triple figures on Syracuse last week. They play the up tempo style. They do the secondary break thing. Like the the style is very similar to what we've seen from North Carolina historically. This is the best defensive North Carolina team that we've seen in a while. They're actually better statistically on defense than they are on offense. They're number five in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. They're number fifteen in adjusted offensive def- efficiency. Like they are, they're a very very good defensive team. So you may think like, hey, like North Carolina run and gun, they may drop ninety five on us, but we're going to get them for at least eighty. And Mike James is going to go over points. Like look at their last, the, their last four games during this. Uh, hell, the, the, their last five games during this uh, this current winning streak. They've allowed 67, 54, 55, 57, and 60 points. They've been very good defensively. They did allow 87 in back-to-back losses to UConn and Kentucky, but those are two very good offensive teams that are very willing to run with North Carolina. Since the new year, Like they've been very, very stingy defensively, and that's still at playing one of the fastest paces in the country. They're they're 46 in the country in adjusted tempo. So, like, I— U of L is such a difficult team to gauge. I I I don't feel confident giving out any. All right, let me. Props. I got I got two questions for you. Who's more likely to hit two threes, Mike James or Sky Clark? Mm. Mike James still. And then the other stat that I'm seeing, or the other number I'm seeing, Sky Clark only two and a half assists. Is that does he not get a whole lot of assists? He doesn't get as many as we'd like. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I think I mean, he's also been playing off the ball a little bit more. You know, they, they started Hersey at point guard the last two games, but even when Hersey comes, you know, it hasn't been starting. It's been Tyler who's starting at, at point guard. So that's probably limited uh, Scott Clark's assist numbers. I mean, you look at it, what did you say the over-under was? For Sky Clark? Assists, yeah. What, what two was, and a half. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's the <laughs> the favorite is the on the under. I mean, he's had he's had exactly two in three of our last four games. Now, he did have six in the win over Miami. And he had five in, in back-to-back games against UK and Kentucky, but two feels about normal. Kentucky, North Carolina is not a great defensive team. The only, the only they they struggle with back screens. I don't know if we'll try to utilize that. We're not a big back screening offense, but if they are, I mean, Sky Clark should be able to probe against their their guards offensively. The issue with Sky is he just hasn't made the right decision a lot of times when he gets in the lane. He, he takes that little short jumper, which is fine if he can make it, but he doesn't make it consistently. And a lot of times he overpenetrates and then just kind of throws it up and makes bad passes. So I'm sure Carolina will play into that. But, I mean, I can see him getting more than two assists in this game. All right, well, thanks for helping me build my same game parlay. Now I can stay up for the game. Yeah, just blame me, I'm sure. Got, I got over Harrison Ingram, Mike James, one-and-a-half threes, and Baycott rebounds. Every time I've given out a, a player prop like like pick on the show, though, it's gone horribly wrong. Oh, I'm trusting you. The last two times I think the players actually gotten hurt, so that's <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be good news for you, all right. More North Carolina, Harrison guys, Ingram, and yeah. Rondo Baycott. Yeah, I said that would be. Yeah. I don't want anybody to get hurt, but it would help our chances. Texas Mike, I'm over here bricked up about our defense. I think we will go ten and two and make the twelve team playoffs. I don't know if if going ten and two would be enough to make the playoffs next year out of the ACC. Really. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to take like eight teams out of the SEC and the Big Ten, right? And and probably like two out of the Big Twelve, and then I think between the SEC and Big Ten, maybe six at most. You think so? Because they're gonna they're gonna give like the liberties of this year, 
the undefeated teams of those smaller conferences if James Madison was well, eligible? There's one guaranteed spot for the group of five. Oh, okay. So, uh, okay. You, like, the, the five comp major conference champions all automatically get in, and then the, 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 the highest-ranked group of five team will get in as the sixth automatic bid, and the other six are all up to, like, the committee. So it won't it that. won't it won't be all Big Ten and SEC teams for those last six spots. The good thing I mean, if you're a Louisville fan, like you know, you win the conference championship, you keep it simple. And we don't play Florida State again this year in the regular season. Going to Clemson will be tough. But if we just went ten and two and lost to, let's say, we we lose to Notre Dame, and then in this hypothetical, it would have to be a conference game because we would not win the league. Let's say we lose to Notre Dame, we lose on the road to Clemson. Like it, it's still going to be tough to get in. Still gonna be tough to get in in the ACC. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to go eleven and one to have a shot. I feel like I don't know. I, I think there would be a, there'd at least be an argument. There'd be an argument. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, what do you think? You're objective here. You're not a Louisville fan who's skewed by the the, the rose colored glasses. With the college football playoff coming in, and let's just assume for the sake of assuming that it's going to stay, the, the ACC will stay intact for the next decade. What's a reasonable expectation for Louisville fans as far as like Louisville? And the playoff. Do you think that they should expect like them to make it at least once? Do they expect multiple trips? What What, what do you think is is normal given what we've seen from Jeff Brom so far? In uh, how many years span? The next decade, the next ten years. Um, I would go with. I'd be pretty happy with like say four, four trips to the playoff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, with, I mean, I'd be I'd be over the moon with, with four twelve teams playoff. getting in. I mean, the way he's recruiting out of the transfer portal, if he just continues to do that and mixes in a little bit of freshmen along the way that are good, I just yeah. I mean, it, if looking at this situation from the outside, it seems like Jeff's got this thing rolling. I think over the next ten years, if you're a Louisville fan, like my my expectation would be you make the playoff at least once. Like I think that should happen. More than that is fantastic you ready for your next scoots guarantee i'm just kidding oh god please don't (laughs) i also would like in you you, i feel like for louisville fans the expectation when things have been good is like you want to be you want to be a top 25 team in most years you you want to feel like you're in that mix i think now it's going to go from being are you a top 25 team to like are you a in the playoff mix deep into the season and i would like you know like this year if you had the 12-team playoff this year, we would have been in the mix the entire season up until probably that Kentucky loss. Mm-hmm. And I guess you would have, we would have technically been in there until the, the conference championship game because we would have had an autom- chance at an automatic bid. But I would like to, in most years, be in like mid-October and still be thinking like, hey, like we're not out of this. Like, if, if we went out or we do this or we do that, like we get, we're going to be in the playoff and, and not be like two and three and just playing for hey, like you know, let's try to get better for next year. That's kind of my expectation. At least one trip to the playoff is the minimum. A couple trips would be great. And then in, in more years than not, ha- be able to have that dream in like mid-late October when you're about halfway through the season. I think that that's that's where my mind is. Because the playoff's not going to be everything. Nobody's going to care about any of the other bowl games. It's all about the playoff. Yep, It already kind of was, but now even more so. Texas hashtag Team Kapowski scoots is wrong. Again, he's wrong, but it's not a, it's not a bad wrong. It's fine. Tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. I says Laguna Beach in two-a-days. Back-to-back was a killer Wednesday night in the early 2000s. Two-a-days was fantastic. Did you ever watch two-a-days? No. Nope. Hoover High, football mm-hmm. documentary. Oh, it was great. It was, it was fantastic. Let's take a break. Five o'clock hour is up next. We'll reset. We'll get you ready for tonight's game against North Carolina and take more of your texts. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. And it continues next here on 1450 The Big X. Just turn your heads. 
Black Hour, Wednesday edition, Mike Rutherford Show. We're talking Louisville. We're talking North Carolina. We're talking 9 o'clock tip-off. We're talking a 21 and a half point spread. We're fired up. <laughs> it's my Wolfman voice. Did you, ever, did, you ever, did you ever contemplate doing a different voice for the radio? Just What if we came in here one day and we're like, Hello, everybody. Hi, Mike. It's time <laughs> for the Mike Rutherford Show. I couldn't do it. it. My voice would just go. Oh, yeah. We did the Mickey Mouse you'd, voice. You'd sound like Dan Campbell in no time. God, I love Dan Campbell. I wish we could just talk about the Lions all day. <laughs> I'm ready for it. If we make the NFC Championship game, like this show will just become, unless the, the basketball team starts playing better, this 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 show will just become all Lions all the time. Well, they've already started playing Lions better. Well, yeah, they, 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 I'm saying unless they win. Win today or Saturday, because Wake Forest is is more certainly an attainable game than tonight. Tonight is, you could have a really really good team, a really good Louisville team that would go to North Carolina and lose to this UNC team, and it would, there'd be no shame in it. They're number four in the country for a reason. But Wake Forest on on Saturday, as much as I love my guy Steve Forbes, and as good a job as I think he's doing this year, it's still a Wake team that is is good but not great. Now Louisville is a God, they're. Ken Palm projects them to to lose that game by 16 points at home. Gives them just a 7% chance of winning. But I wouldn't be shocked if they kept that thing competitive. If it was like the NC State game, they've got a shot to win late. But tonight is probably it's probably an uphill battle. But if they do win either one of those games, it'll keep this from being all Lions all the time next week. If the, if the Lions win on Sunday. What kind of what kind of moon do we have this week? That's what I, that's the information that I need. As long as it ain't that waxing gibbous, I'm gonna feel pretty good about oh, it. Oh no, waning gibbous, right? Waxing. I thought that was your guy. Oh, you were the. Uh... I want a waxing crescent guy. Oh, yeah, I'm all right. about the yeah. crescent. Yeah. Waxing gibbous ruins my life. That's when things go horribly. That's when I just need to stay home and not do anything for the next for the however long that is. I don't know how moon phases last. I'm gonna learn all about this because the moon is. I'm a moon guy now. The science teacher sent you the breakdown. He did, and I, I looked at it. It was very informative, and then I, I instantly forgot everything that I learned. It was just like I was back in school again. should have screenshotted it. I probably should have. Thank you for that, Scoots. I'll learn. <laughs> I'm going to get really into the moon. It's going to be great. Uh, it's the 5 o'clock hour here as we get ready for another game night. Cards taking on North Carolina tonight. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We talked a little Tyler Barron. We also have, <clears throat> and during this hour, <clears throat> excuse me, Brady Brombaum is out there. He's saying another one's out there. All eyes on who it may be. Kind of gave it away, I think, a little bit earlier. There's also, we have Brady Brom imposter accounts out there now. Uh oh. Imagine him, like, like, just being a fake, a Louisville fan who's a, doing a fake Brady Brom thing. Somebody who's, like, they're clout chasing. Yeah. They, you know, they, they changed their name to Brady Brom and copied his profile pic, and the actual handle is like Louisville fan or something. And he tweeted out, like, from Tuscaloosa to Louisville, like, look out. And everyone's like, oh, no. And it turns out it's just a, it's a fake tweet. But there is a, a legit Brady Brom tweet out there talking about another another flip that could be coming our way. We'll keep our ears out. If it happens during this hour, we will certainly talk about it. I'm sure it will happen at, like, 6.05. So we'll figure it out. But, you know, safe to say Ole Miss pissed us off enough to go take a bunch of their players. <laughs> I, just, like, I don't know. Do, are you familiar with the – is the Dark Knight scene, which is the one with, with Heath Ledger and the Joker? That's Dark Knight, right? Yeah. That's the only one I've ever seen. You never saw any of the other that's ones? That's the only one. And I only watched it because he's the guy that died, right? Yes. That, that he, that's, he that's like, correct. was so into the role that he, like, Great died. Joker. Yeah. Great Joker. Oh, it was, that movie is awesome. 
But somebody, uh, not somebody, uh, my guy Alan Thomas, Cardinal on, on Twitter, after we you know, we flipped uh, Baron yesterday, he put out a great. There's the, the one of the opening scenes. I think it is the opening scene from that movie where the 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 one guy backs the truck into the the clown robber. And he's like, that's Tennessee getting knocked out of the way. And then Ole Miss is, is helping Louisville load the bags of money in there. And Ole Miss is like, where do the other guys go? And then he turns around and just shoots him. Like, that's that's Louisville. Like, like you know, thank, thank you for taking all these players away from Tennessee for us, and then we'll take them from you. That's the way that it works, and that's what we're doing right now. And maybe some other players not from Tennessee we're going to take from you. So, <laughs> it's the way it works. Sorry. Yeah. I also don't feel bad right now. You're seeing like, like all these guys from Alabama are earning the transfer portal and all these commits are, are, are decommitting. There's not one part of me that feels bad for Alabama fans. They're like, oh, woe is me. I don't, I don't I, This isn't fair. People are tampering with our players. You've been tampering with players for years. And also, you're Alabama. You've had a historic run of success over the last 20 years. You deserve a little bit of time down. And I'm not even sure you're going to be down. You're still Alabama, but like, I, cry me a river. Get over it. <laughs> Sorry, get, go find some other five stars. You're Bama, for God's sake. Get over it. Take all of your IU coaches, sorry, Scoots, and, and go try to win some games. Get over it. Go do something. Um, we do have the, the, this game to talk about tonight. It's, it's more worthy of discussion now after what we've been talking about since the Miami win and the NC State close loss because – yeah, the, the the narrative has shifted. It's gone from like, this sucks, it's continued to suck, nobody's talking about the games, nobody cares about the games. The only discussion now is, is Kenny Payne going to get fired in the middle of the year, or is he going to get fired after the year, and who the next coach is going to be? And now, you know, Louisville pulls a stunner over Miami last week as a 16.5 point underdog, and then plays competitive against a good, not great NC State team over the weekend. And, and, and I think more importantly, like, looks the part. They're fighting. They're very clearly giving effort. They seem engaged. All of that is is a welcome change from so much of what we've seen over the last year and a half. And now a lot of people are like, is this the way it's going to be for the last two months of this season or the last, uh, the, the last nine weeks of the season? And I think we'll find out because you're, you're going up against, it's one thing to beat a Miami team that was a little bit banged up and not making shots and to hang with an NC State team that, I, again, they might make the NCAA tournament. I don't think they will. But if you went to Chapel Hill tonight, and I'm not saying you beat number four North Carolina, but if you if you look the part again, if you're going shot for shot with them for a while, you're looking fully engaged. You're you're playing good defense. You're not letting Armando Baycott go off for 22 and 16. You're not letting RJ Davis splash 35 on you. You're not letting these other guys take wide open threes. It would further this conversation about can Kenny Payne realistically do enough this season to save his job? It would further the conversation about they're taking steps forward, they've turned a corner, all that good stuff. And it would set the stage for if you beat North Carolina on Wake Forest, I should say, on Saturday, or you beat Duke next Tuesday at home, then people talking about, okay, like we may feel okay. There's an outside shot that he may actually do that. If you come out there tonight and you just get the door blown blown off. It's never close. You lose by 40, and then you turn around and you, you lay another egg on, on Saturday against Wake. Then I think we we just go back to what we've been doing yeah. for the last month and a half. Who's the coach going to be? Is he going to get fired before we get to February? Like all, all that stuff will return. So there is some added intrigue in this game that I think would not have been there had this team not played the way that it did last week. Having said that, this is a Carolina team that is clearly, I think at the quarter pole, the class of the ACC – the only unbeaten team remaining in league play, 
like I said earlier, number four in the AP top 25 poll. Since losing to Kentucky and UConn on neutral floors, they've won six straight games. They've won all of them by double digits. They're blowing teams out. They've been dominant in their conference victories so far. Did you know they won their last six by double digits? <laughs> <laughs> that was well done. <laughs> they, I know I've mentioned this before, too. When you think Carolina, you think gaudy point totals, getting up and down, breakneck pace, not really being overly concerned on the defensive end. And while the the gaudy numbers and, and, and the fast pace are still true this year, they're a team that's better defensively than they are offensively this season. Number five in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. They're holding opponents to 28.9% shooting from three-point range, which if that continues would be the lowest point total, or lowest percentage that they've ever held opponents to in the history of UNC basketball. They're also just letting teams score, connect on 39.5% of their shots from inside the arc, which is their best defensive percentage since 2011-12. That was a damn good defensive team that may have won the national title if Kendall Marshall hadn't gotten hurt. Sorry, UK fans. They're also still very good on offense. While they're number five in the country in, in uh, ADE, they're number 15 in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. R.J. Davis is the leading scorer in the conference, 20.4 points per game. He can score inside. He can score outside. If you let him shoot threes, he's going to hit threes. If you play up on him, he's going to go right around you and kill you there. Armando Baycott, who's 56 years old, he's still a walking double-double. He's always lit us up. He's probably going to light us up tonight. We don't have much of an answer for him inside, even if BHH plays a good game. They've got uh, Harrison Ingram is a, a good rebounder inside. Uh, at six foot seven, he's also a good outside shooter. He's a three level scorer. Cormac Ryan hasn't shot the ball that well, but he's he's the type of guy that's going to break out in games. And even though he's shooting like twenty eight percent from three for the season, would not be shocked at all if we give him a bunch of open looks. If he just goes off tonight from three, he's that type of player. He's that type of shooter. If he sees one go in, he may see five go in. Elliot Cadeau is a point guard that we recruited pretty heavily coming out of high school. His yeah, he started off the season just on fire. A lot of people were talking about him being the best freshman point guard UNC's ever had. That talk has fizzled a little bit, but he's still really mature when he's on the floor. He didn't play like 35 minutes a night, but he's out there 22, 25 minutes a game, and he makes good decisions. He plays with a maturity that's beyond his years. Uh, he can score when you, you let him score, which we tend to do. So it's a Carolina team that has all the pieces and seems to have a better defensive identity than some of their teams that have slipped up early in the NCAA tournament over the last uh, 10 years or so. Um, like This could be one of those teams, I, I think, that's more like you know, 2016, 2017, uh, two years ago, that's that's more suited for a March run than they are for being incredible in the, in, in the regular season. And, and you know, like right now, they could do both those things because they've been pretty damn good. Has Harrison Ingram always played for North Carolina? Uh, he's not. Where did he come from? That's what I was trying to figure out. He's he was there last year. I want to say. Um, oh, could, Stanford. Okay, Harrison from Stanford. He yeah. was a bigger transfer portal guy. Yeah, uh, I think he's got a year left after this, if I'm correct. So this, this is his first year at Carolina. He played two years at Stanford. Yeah, and he's. I mean, he's. If you are looking, my buddy's a UNC fan. Did send this in. If you are looking for another individual prop bet, uh, Harrison Ingram rebound total is seven and a half. He's had double digits in three of his last four games. Hmm. Ten rebounds against Syracuse, 19 against NC State two games ago, and then 15 against Pitt. So he's a he's a guy who can get it done inside. He also can get it done from beyond the arc. He takes a bunch of threes. He, he shot red hot at the beginning of the season. He's cooled off a little bit, but he's, you know, we love leaving guys open. I say it every game, we don't change. If you leave him open to take five threes, he's probably going to take five threes. So 
can see him having a big game. I can see all of them having big games against us. Also, I, I can't help but notice, and maybe I just wasn't listening good enough, but uh, you haven't noticed, you haven't mentioned Jalen Withers? I have not mentioned Jalen Withers. Is that on purpose? Well, he's on the team. He's not doing much for them. Uh, you know, he was a starter at the beginning of the season. Uh, he started a few games for them the first few weeks. He has not done much since he moved into a reserve role. I mean, he's kind of he was the one guy that you looked at, and he, when he transferred to UNC, you were like, yeah, okay. I don't know how well he's going to do. He is coming off maybe his best game as a Tar Heel. He scored ten points and had four rebounds, uh, six rebounds in, in the win over Syracuse over the weekend. He only he's playing about like 12, 13, 14 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, he always at U of L. He always like every sixth game or so would give a performance where you were like, damn, this guy's got every skill. Yeah. Like, like this guy could be an NBA guy. And I felt like it always happened against Carolina too. Like he just, he liked that style. You know, it's, it's a little bit more loose, it's a little bit more flowy. He would knock down contested 18 foot jumpers and they were okay to take in that game because both teams are getting up and down. He seemed to enjoy playing at that pace and it hasn't really suited him that well since he made the move to UNC. But I do wonder if the same will be true when he plays against Louisville. Um, you know, there, there was a, I'm curious. I don't know if anybody else saw this or anybody else thought the same thing as I did, but there was a viral picture that went around after UNC played Kentucky of Withers on the bench doing what appeared to be an L's down. And everyone's like, oh, Jalen's throwing the L's down. He's taking shots at Louisville. And it it made no sense to me. It's not like a firm L's down. His hand just may be like that. But also, if it was, like, why are you doing it against Kentucky? You know, that's kind of Kentucky's thing, right? Like they're always doing it. You're doing it after a big North Carolina game. It's not like you're playing Louisville. It's not like it's a shot at you know Louisville through UK. It just made no sense. But you know, maybe that's just Jalen just trying to be Jalen. He also was kind of a soft-spoken kid when he was here. I can't. He just didn't seem to be that brash. It would surprise me to see him do something like that. But who knows? He's he was the one guy that transferred that I was like, oh, that's kind of an issue for Louisville because I think if he comes back for this year. I think he probably does some really nice things for Louisville. Well, I mean, we kind of were, were waiting for that to happen the last three years, and it just it didn't. Mm-hmm. He was all freshman, all ACC freshman team after his first year, and then regressed incredibly. I mean, like the best team out of these last uh, these last three, hell, out of these last four, he averaged double figures on. Like the team that should have made the NCAA tournament, like he was a double figure scorer on that team as a freshman, and then his numbers dropped like. To, he went from like 10.4 points per game to like f- five and a half points per game as, as a redshirt sophomore, did nothing. And then last year when everyone thought that, hey, maybe he, Kenny Payne, he made him a captain. He's been in this program for four years. He was a redshirt his freshman season. He's going to really step up. He's got all the skills. He just did nothing consistently. He just just, just didn't. And I, like, I don't know. At some point, you just kind of have to accept that a guy is who he is. And I, I for a long time, I thought he was going to develop into being a really good college player, and it just did not happen. It doesn't seem to have happened at North Carolina. The weird thing about that team last year, if you go back, and, and sometimes you know, just the hive mind of, of the fan base doesn't wind up working out or just winds up being wrong, and I certainly was was part of the hive mind. The guys that we wanted to come back the most for year one of of the Kenny Payne era. Mm-hmm. Like all sucked, <laughs> you know. We we were like, you got to get Sidney Curry to come back. He's gonna be the best big man in the ACC. He's gonna be fantastic. He did nothing. We were like, you got to get LLs to come back. And L to his credit, you know, carried the offense as much as he could, but certainly was not good defensively and and, and made a lot of mistakes. And then we we're like, Jalen Withers, bring him back. Roosevelt Wheeler, bring him back. Everyone else can just kick rocks. 
And the guys that we brought back just sucked. And didn't just suck, but they've sucked at their, their new locations as well. So, yeah, we were wrong. You want me to say I effed up? We effed up. <laughs> so did Kenny Payne. We, like, everybody read the situation the wrong way. And that is, I mean, it, I, I will say something to the credit of the people who were clamoring last season that it was all a talent issue, it was all the players, it wasn't the coaching staff. These guys are just bums. I don't agree with the argument still. I, I think the talent level was good enough that you should win more than four games at Louisville. The, the talent level was always good enough that you should win more than four games at Louisville. Having said that, for those people who were like, the talent level was good enough to make the NCAA tournament, and Rick Pitino would have taken us to the NCAA tournament, all of the guys who left, who didn't do much here, they ain't doing much of their new programs either. LLS got off to a hot start at Arkansas. The fan base loved him. He's barely playing now in our Arkansas team that, that does not look like it's going to make the NCAA tournament. Kamari Lands goes to Arizona State. There's all this talk about he's going to be the leading scorer out there. He dropped 28 points in their scrimmage against San Diego State. He's averaging 5.4 points per game. Whoa. Jalen Withers averaging four points per game at North Carolina. Um, Sidney Curry, backup center at Grand Canyon. Devin Reed, not doing anything. Fabio Basile, not doing anything. The, the only guys who are putting up big-time numbers who are transfers are the Mac guys. Like, Matt Cross has been awesome at UMass. Mm-hmm. He's been, which I did see today that he's out with a a combined injury of a, a foot and tooth, which I was like, hmm. Weird combo. I, I wonder what's going on there. Did it's, he literally put his foot in his mouth? Well, it's a classic Matt Cross thing. I mean, he's, he, he, he enjoyed fighting people here, and he, maybe he and Frank finally got into it. But he, it's been a working relationship that's worked out well for him. He's, he's been one of the better players in the Atlantic 10 this season. Quinslezinski has been West Virginia's best player this year. Like he, He's been great for them, and he had a good run at Iona when he was there as well. So those guys, I mean, Sam Williamson is still kind of the same exact player he was 17 years ago, but he's he's putting up solid numbers as a starter for SMU. So those guys are doing okay. It, all the guys from last year's team, I don't know if they were just broken or whatever you want to say, Like they're not, not, not doing much at their new home. So there is more credence to that argument than, than there probably was this time a year ago. You've got more evidence to back that up. These guys just aren't. Maybe they're just not good players. Maybe we just didn't have enough. I still think we had enough to win more than you know four games, but maybe not enough to win 16 or 17 with competent coaching. So there's that. But Jalen Withers, to your point, Scoots, he is on the team. We'll see him tonight. We'll see how he plays. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. Does that bring any sort of emotion at all or no? I mean, nothing brings much emotion anymore, <laughs> if we're being honest. It's, I don't, I've never hated Jalen Withers. He was a soft-spoken kid. He... I mean, did I want him to be more of a player than he wound up being? Sure, but I don't like hate him because of that. And I, I certainly don't begrudge him for making the decision to move on from the program after the disaster was that was last year. And even if it hadn't been a disaster, you're going to North Carolina, you know. I mean, while while we certainly view ourselves as one of the elite programs in all of college basketball, like if you're going to leave for somewhere, you want it to be a school like Carolina or Duke yeah. or, or or Kansas or something like that. Like that's one of those few places where you look at, it, especially for a Charlotte native, which is what he is, and you say, okay, like you know, you probably grew up dreaming of playing for UNC. Your dad played for Charlotte, and I'm sure that you know you growing up in that area were probably like, I'd love to play for UNC. To have that opportunity, you can't. You know, I'm not going to hate the kid for it. Yeah, there there is something to be said for the big schools. Like, so for instance, Indiana had Jordan Geronimo transfer out. Great name. That guy. We played him already this year, and he went to Rutgers. Like, what are you doing? And he's from that area, so it makes it make a little sense. But still, like, you're, why are you leaving Indiana to go to Rutgers? Yeah. It just didn't make much sense. It does. But North Carolina makes it make sense. Carolina makes sense. Yeah. Everybody else is, you know, whatever. 
it, it is what it is. It's fine. It's fine. We'll see him tonight. I hope he plays well against everybody besides us. <laughs> North Carolina, by the way, they're off to a 5-0 and start in ACC play for just the 15th time. And, and like I said earlier, the first time since the 2015-16 season when they started 8-0 before running into the mighty Cardinals of Louisville on February 1st and being knocked off despite being the number one team in the AP poll. And then Louisville, 48 hours later, announced that they were self-imposing a postseason ban. So even when they're good memories against North Carolina, they kind of come hand-in-hand with bad memories, which is unfortunately where we are. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We'll take a couple of uh, texts here, and, and then we'll call it a half hour, and then we'll come back, take more texts, make some predictions for tonight's game, and get you ready to get going here. Texture says, a reminder to every to keep in mind Scoots like teenage Rebecca Blackmore when giving his takes oh on my God. You're never going to get over that. No. Yeah. It really does just kind of... My, my list it of, puts a damper on all your female. My, my list of things that are adding up is not good. Did you know? So go, I know we, it came up right at the end of the hour. You never watched Two a Days on MTV back in the day. Nope. It was the uh, Russ Probst was the the coach of uh, Hoover High in Alabama. I mean, that was one when I was in college. He also he like had he's had a comeback. He was, did a reality show again a couple of years ago, Titletown High, which actually was it, it kind of hooked me into the same type of thing. It was like a Two a Days for a different generation. But every time he goes somewhere, he gets caught up in scandal. Like that show, he got really famous because that show was on MTV, and then it came out that he had like a second family in a different city in Alabama. Nice. So he got fired. He went to with the the second family and became a coach. Got caught cheating. Was out of coaching. He goes to this school in Georgia, Valdosta State, Titletown, a very famous high school program, and feuds with boosters because he's cheating there and gets kicked out. I think he's coaching somewhere else now. It's it, high school football at a very high level can be a gross sport, mm-hmm. and he's kind of the embodiment of that. But it was a great show. It was a nice little like teenage football drama. Repeat Smith. <laughs> Texas says, I would have really liked Nick Skorton because he had at least another year, but for only that reason. I hope Nick and Tyler are the Spider-Man meme as far as production. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that we definitely were, were pursuing at one point in time. We'll see what happens. Texas says, uh, what about Jordan War and the Toronto trade? Is Jordan War getting traded? Didn't you tease that at the start of the show? Uh, I... I, I I was teasing the Tyrese Halliburton thing. Jordan Norris oh, he's, in, he's that, in that trade. trade. Yeah. Oh, he's going to Toronto. Yeah. Oh, I kind of hate that for him. I, I thought that's what you were teasing. No, I, was te- I, I knew Halliburton was getting traded. I knew it was big Pacers news. I didn't realize that that war was getting traded. I also was teasing the Terry Rozier rumors. Oh, okay. That, that I'm just seeing out. it now. So Pacers finalizing a trade to get Siakam. Pascal Siakam. Yeah. They, they will send Bruce Brown, Jordan War, and three first round picks to Toronto. God, man, Ward just gets traded from good teams to bad teams constantly. Um, I mean, are the Raptors any good at all? No, they're young. They're they're just, they're, I mean, they're trying to rebuild, yeah. That sucks for him. He's having a good year, too. He's having a good run. I feel like he found a good home. Finally got some good playing time. He's taking advantage. That does suck. Texas, I think that J.J. Redick was a bigger villain than Tyler Hansborough. Um, I think that's probably right. Yeah. Hansborough was better and more successful. Redick never won a national title, did he? Mm, that I couldn't tell you. They because I know he was there when they lost to UConn in the 2004 Final Four. So yeah, he he was never there when they won a national title. But he was, you know, I like JJ now. I think his he's like his his career as a you know, podcaster and ESPN personality has made him more likable. I enjoy when he goes at uh, people who are dumb. Like it, it's fun to see. But when they were trying to make him more likable by like doing those poetry readings that he was doing. He's like, he's like sitting in a gym all by himself and like, he's like the booze rained down 
and so did the tears on my face. I was like, okay, I'm not buying this. I, I don't, I, I don't want to see this. The tears fall down my face like three pointers inside an empty gym. I was like, don't let's not make this happen. He's a hell of a player. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was a lot of fun to watch. But people hated him. I mean, again, white Duke players that are good and kind of seemingly a holes are always going to be the biggest villains in college basketball. There's no, there's no way. I mean, Grayson Allen was so he also had such a punchable face. There's something to be said for that. I know you can't help that, but when you kind of look like Ted Cruz, like, you know, it, just, <laughs> it makes people want to punch you a little bit more. That's just the way that it works. I can't unsee that. It, I mean, oh, yeah. that's hilarious. It's, it's so true. Texas, can't we have uh, Topanga and Kelly Kapowski at the same time? Like, what's wrong with eating pizza and ice cream at the same time? See, second person who said that. That was like word for word the same time. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we will take as many texts as we can, and then we will look ahead to the world, uh, not just at Louisville versus North Carolina, but other games going on tonight. We'll make some predictions. We'll get you ready from a gambling aspect, and hopefully we'll get this uh, this Brady Brombaum news out there, and we can talk about that. It's the final segment of the Mike Rutherford Show. It's next here on 1450 The Big Again, final segment here of the Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, The Big X. Streaming all over the place. Podcast, as always, available pretty soon after we go off the air. Just search 1450-Big X wherever you get your podcast. You'll find every episode of the Mike Rutherford Show and other fan favorites, like the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, Spears on Sports. Uh, how Spears juggling this uh, this Bellman play-by-play gig and his, his show here, Scoots? Uh, not very well. <laughs> he's had to miss way too many shows and i'm quite I feel frankly like every time i turn it on he's not on quite frankly i'm not a fan of it <laughs> i'm ready for basketball season to be over just so i can get spears back full time i do hear him a lot when i turn up when i'm flipping over radio and i'm, I'm you know the, the bellman game is on a certain channel and i'm like oh it's spears and i'm like oh yeah this isn't our show this yeah I've, I've done that two or three times just like flipping through oh there's john forgot bellerman played tonight is he the reason why bellerman's not having a great year oh many are wondering I, many are saying, including yeah. myself, that you know Bellerman, no issue transitioning to Division One. Now, currently riding a uh, what a seven or eight game losing streak, four and fifteen overall. Lots of injuries, lots of issues. That didn't happen before John Spears took over. Mm-mm. Just saying, they've beaten one Division One team this year. I think that's kind of Spears' fault. Maybe you know, maybe have Scoots do it. I know it can't be very fun. Well, I mean, it's I mean, I'm sure it is probably fun. still fun, but it's always more fun to call a win. And he hasn't been able to do that very much. Well, maybe you don't steal bobbleheads in the offseason and you know, karma <laughs> won't come back and bite you in the ass during the basketball season. Just saying. Just just saying. Maybe a thought that crossed John Spears' mind every now and then. Maybe you invite some people to your birthday party and you, know, you, you don't have 4-15 and 15 records midway through the year. You're wrecking my friend's program, Spears. Grow up. 
502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. We'll take some more texts from you guys. I, I did during the break see, I, I guess it's not official yet, but the writing is on the wall for this new Brady Braun bomb. Pete Nakos, who at this time yesterday put in a crystal ball projection for Tyler Barron to flip to Louisville. He now has put in, this is the player that I was referring to earlier, text line guessed it, Tavian Nicholson from uh, Illinois to Ole Miss by way of Ole Miss was the is the defensive back transfer that appears to be headed to Louisville. Uh, another Ole Miss flip. God, I, mean, I don't know what Ole Miss did to piss us off, but they clearly succeeded in it. We've taken three of their guys now. He's ranked as the number 61 overall player in the portal by on three. 66 career tackles, one interception, and 14 pass breakups. Um, was was highly touted, highly pursued by major programs after he entered the portal from Illinois. Ole Miss landed him. He now appears to be headed to Louisville. We'll see. I'm sure it will become official again, like 6'10", 6'15", and we'll discuss it on tomorrow's show. But Tavian Nicholson looking good as the latest addition to the UofL top-rated transfer portal class of the offseason of 2024. Suck at everybody else. Jeff Brom, Portal King. Boom. 502-414-1450. Texter says, Grayson Allen seems like a guy who would lead his wife out of a party roughly by the arm. The dude's going to run for Senate one day. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, I know Donovan Mitchell said he liked him when they were on the same team. Like, you know, they had a little bit of that, they had a little bit of a scuffle when Louisville played Duke in 2016 after the, the postseason ban was announced and they found themselves on the same team in Utah. And I think Mitchell kind of enjoyed Grayson Allen's company, at least at first. I don't know how that went after that we talked to him, but uh, yeah. He does seem like a guy who would lead his, his wife out of a party roughly by the arm. I said it's time to go. <laughs> They've already done the cha-cha slide. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Dateline's on. 20 minutes. I don't want to miss my shows. Texas Cormac Ryan over 10.5 points is my big play for today. He'll get wide open threes all game. I do. Cormac Ryan is the guy that you circle. Like We've had this thing for... The, go, going back to the last Chris Mack year, the, the Pegues year, whatever you want to call it, we've had this thing for three straight years now where when a guy who's a capable three-point shooter but has been really struggling coming into the game is going to play Louisville, like he, he hits five or six threes against us. I can see Cormac Ryan, circle this quote, I mean, because it may be totally wrong, but I can see Cormac Ryan knocking down like four threes tonight because we'll leave him open for sure. Texas is only five auto bids, uh, the four-power conference, and then the non-power lock. Now, will Notre Dame get that non-power lock is my question. No, there's a group of five bid. I don't think it's 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 Notre Dame. I think it's a group of five. I mean, the oh, that's right, four power conferences now because I, I keep forgetting the Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. So the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12 champions all get automatic bids. And then I think it's – I thought it was a group of five lock. If it's Notre yeah, Dame – I thought I remember hearing that too. If it's Notre Dame that's included, that seems to be kind of unfair because you know Notre Dame, Notre Dame can be 10-2 and two and they're still probably going to be – Higher ranked than like a twelve and 13 and zero Kent State team, so I don't know. Texas, I'm I'm Team Topanga. Don't get excited, Scoots. I'm also Team TK. <laughs> Sorry. At least you have some some support. No kidding. Texas, Scoots, don't ever do that voice again. This voice? Oh God, it is it is bad. I just like I, I got like the hairs on my neck stood up a little bit when you did it. <laughs> that was bad. I don't even know what you're, what you're going for. I don't either. Texas is Billy Donovan. What about Billy Donovan? His, his, his two most recent texts are about Billy Donovan and Eric Musselman, which reminds me we haven't done our coach of the day. We haven't. We've yeah. been so, I mean, this is how caught up we've been in not doing 
coaching search talk. Now, if we lose by 40, I'm sure we'll do, be doing a lot of coaching search talk tomorrow. But uh, coaching search, candidate of the day, it's good you get to pick. The, no, who was the guy who, did, who said yesterday? He wanted to do, uh, what number did he say? Oh, man. Oh, I forgot. I think it was based on his, here we go. Today's my, this is from yesterday. Today's my 39th birthday. In honor of that, I'm wondering if you'll let me pick. Okay, we'll do that. We'll, we'll do 39 today. I think we've done 39 before. Hopefully it's not the same team as we've done before. Um, we'll, do the, we'll do the net rankings today. This is the coaching rumor of the day. This is what I'm hearing from well-placed sources all across the college basketball world. Okay. I can get on board with this one. The latest buzz as far as the Louisville coaching search is concerned. Not a hot name. People are still kind of wondering how he's going to do with this job. It's only his second year at this position. Had successful runs at Siena and Georgia State. Rob Lanier, the SMU head coach, getting a lot of buzz for the Louisville job. It's out there right now. He has ties to Louisville through Samuel Williamson, his forward. Uh, Lanier has been to the NCAA tournament just twice. Took Siena there in 2002. Took Georgia State there in, in 2022. Never won a game in the, in the big dance. But everyone's always been saying, all this man needs is a chance. He's been on the coaching staffs at Virginia, coaching staff at Florida, coaching staff at Texas and Tennessee, is a Rick Barnes protege, knows the game, great played at St. Bonaventure back in the day, 55, New York bred, can help us get back in that market. Rob Lanier, interested in the job, put him on the list. He's a candidate. You didn't watch Last Chance U, right? Of course I did. Oh, okay. He looks a lot like their coach. Well, who's also, his name is also Rob. Coach Rob. Yeah. No, I'm, oh, think, uh, the other I'm thinking guy was of the coach head Rob. coach. Yeah, the, the other guy was Coach Rob, the guy who left for the other gig at yeah. the end of the last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, actually, I actually looked up how they were doing right now. And it's not John Mosley is his name. There you go. You're yeah. going to drive me crazy. Like, like they're – because, you know, last chance you is done now. They don't have the cameras. I'm sure that that was a little bit of a hit for them in recruiting. And they're not they they weren't doing great the last time I checked. Hmm. Elac, shout out to him. I got a Elac hat. Do you really? I do. Good for you. I did because that. of that show, I I I decided I would probably run through a wall for John Mosley. So I was like, I've got to support them somehow. So yeah, I bought a hat. Somebody asked last year, like you know, all BS aside, because we were talking about the show. Because I was I was a big fan of the show. Like, would you take John Mosley as the head coach over Kenny Payne? And yes. I was like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is again, this is like a lower level of JUCO basketball, but I still would. They are eleven and five right now, four and one in conference. So that, he's at least entertaining to watch. He's demonstrative. He is that. They've he'd brought, they've he'd be a fun uh, press conference guy. He would be. He'd be, he'd be great. He very clearly cares about the kids too, mm-hmm. which is again not saying Kenny Payne doesn't, but I'm just saying that's one of his attributes. I think you watch that show, and it was a couple of times on the football side of things, you did wonder if the coach was if it wasn't just all about himself like like the the second dude from kansas like was jb jason brown was a hundred percent just a self-promoter it was all about him. oh he still is could not have cared less about the kids i think that was very very apparent also could not have if i think knew less football than anybody listening to the show did all he cared about was himself his dogs and his cigars hit somebody i'm like come on man (laughs) just cussing every other word like yeah have some message i liked buddy though the first coach he, they both were huge a holes. I think the same thing. Buddy, you could tell like new football mm-hmm. and like knew how to coach. The the other guy just, he's classic. He's like an AAU grassroots guy who just found an avenue to get some players and then got 
a job out of it and then had no idea what to do when he once he got to that point. And everyone's like, well, look at the record, look at the record. They had the best players for a long time. And the second year, they won like two games or whatever it was. I think they may have only won one because the guy had no idea what he was doing. Texture says, uh, Jordan Ward of the Raptors. Texture says, Bama has lived in a fantasy land for the past 15 years. Welcome back to Earth. I mean, do you think that this like, – is this going to signify? We've, I, I've mentioned several times that I think, you know, for the last two years, I, I predicted Clemson was going to come back down to earth and that they would always be good, but it would be a lot of years, kind of like the past two, where they're they're eight and four, nine and three, maybe an occasional ten and two, but they weren't going to compete for national titles anymore. I mean, how far down to earth does Bama come with this Nick Saban news? The thing we have to keep in mind is just because these guys are in the portal does not mean they're all going to leave. I mean, I have no doubt that Coach DeBoer will be able to talk a, a handful of them into staying, and then you just got to reload. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're going to be the same Bama that we've grown accustomed to, but I don't think they're going to fall that much. I kind of think they're going to be fine. Like it's it's Bama, mm-hmm. and once you've built, I know they've had times in the past where they've been down. You know, the the the, the Shula era, and some like in the, in the '90s when I was growing up after their national title run, they were down for a while. All of that was based on like NCA scandal. Like they got knocked down because of regulations, and then it took a while to, to pick themselves back up. We certainly know how that feels. But at some point, once you've built a monster this big, you kind of get too big to fail. And if it gets to a point where, like Kalen DeBoer, the style or, or, or the culture just don't fit, and he goes nine and three in year one, and then like eight and four in year two, like they'll just get somebody else in. Like they, they will keep trying this thing. There's so much money down there. There's so many resources. Like I don't think it's going to get to a point where six years from now we're looking back and we're like, damn, Bama hadn't made the expanded playoff. Like this is not going to happen. They're like, you know, they're UK basketball, UNC basketball. They may have a couple of down years by their standards, but event like they're going to be in the conversation moving forward at some point because there's just there's too much money down there. Texture says, uh, and. We're being, let's see, Baycott 14 boards, BHH 10 points, plus 588 on FanDuel. Lock it in, and we're getting the upset. I don't care about analytics or Kenny Payne being trash. We're winning, baby. Cards money line plus 1,600. Wow. And lastly, Scoots is crazy. Wither sucked. I was so glad to see everyone but Elgo, and not a single transfer is doing good. I didn't say Withers was great. I just I thought he did some nice things. He's, the, the potential was always there. He, yeah. he was a frustrating player to watch because I didn't realize he was there three years for yeah, what it's worth. Well, four technically. I mean, he redshirted his freshman year. He came here and he was part of the uh, the, the Chris Mack six player class. I won't refer to it by the name that some fans did. And he redshirted and, and then didn't play until his his second season with the program. So he's yeah he, he was around for a long time and just never popped the way that it felt like he should. Like he, he would do things in a game. Where you're like, damn, like that. This guy could be all world. Kind of like a different player, but sort of the way that we've been viewing Brandon Huntley Hatfield the last couple of years, where it's like he's got every skill. Why can't he just piece it together? And then you'd feel like he'd turn a corner, and then the next game he just wouldn't do anything. He'd play 25 minutes and have three points and one rebound. And you're like, what, what the hell? Like, Just you know, try. Please. Do something. Texture says, Mike, do you think the guys that left and are at their new destination not doing well are still healing? I'll hang up and listen. Maybe, I mean, maybe. Who knows what was going on here? Who knows what the healing needed to be done? But they, uh, it may also be a simple thing. I, I mentioned, you know, Matt Cross is playing so well at UMass and, and Quinslinski is playing so well at West Virginia. Those are guys that are, are in their, what, fourth and fifth years of, of college basketball. 
Kamari Lenz, maybe he still can be a good college player. Maybe next year he'll take a step up, and then um, if he's a senior at Arizona State in two years, he'll be averaging 15, 16 points per game. I think that that's, that's certainly possible. L. Ellis has been you – know, he's a finished product at this point. You know what you're getting. Withers, kind of the same deal. But some of the younger guys, who knows what like Devin Reed and Fabio Basile and maybe even Rose Wheeler can do moving forward. But it seems like they're, they're going to be role players on – average at best college teams moving forward and that's you know sometimes you just miss on talent evaluation and, and those guys weren't they weren't good enough to play here for sure texture says where's coach of the day rob lanier smu texture says this uh seems significant it's from pete thamel and he says key claim from the acc in the amended complaint this quote this court issue a permanent injunction barring florida state from participating in the management of the affairs of the conference while it has a direct and material conflict of interest with the purposes and objectives of the conference hmm the acc is not playing i mean i don't know what to make of that i mean i don't know if they're preparing for a settlement i don't know if they're just if they feel like they're in a position of power because there's no way the fsu can break the that fsu can break the ground of rights i don't know but it's a it's a strong statement we're not going to let you have a voice in matters of the conference well it also is kind of an understandable if you're actively stewing us to try to leave why should we let you have a say if we're asking the powers that be at member institutions what they want to do moving forward with things that makes sense to me Sure. Texas, did you see Harry Douglas on Pat McAfee reminisce about the UofL-WVU rivalry and Harry takes some shots at Darius Butler on torching him against UConn? I didn't, but I love Harry. I know he's been doing doing a lot of media recently. Harry's the man. Harry did also get me way too drunk before the Wichita State game. (laughs) This is the second time I'm bringing up the Wichita State game, the Final Four game. On today's show, but we were with uh, we went to the the, the U of L like pregame party. We were with uh, with Brian Brom, and Harry came over because he and Brian are obviously tight. And he like kept getting us tequila shots, and like I'm not gonna turn down tequila shots from Harry Douglas. But as I'm walking in, not the, turning tequila shots down from anybody. I mean, but it's, it's Harry. Like, it, it, I, I didn't want to be that drunk going to the game. I wanted to have a nice little buzz to take the edge off, but I wanted to be I wanted to be lucid. I wanted to be able to take it all in. I wanted to be focused. It's it's you know. Second time I've been to a Final Four game. First time I felt like we had a real shot to win a national title. I want to be present for it. And as I'm walking into the Georgia Dome, I'm like, "Damn it, Harry! Like I'm, <laughs> I'm spinning here. Like, the, <laughs> like this is this is way drunker than I wanted to be for this game." But I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna say no. He was Terry Douglas for God's sake. He's the man. Texas. Instead of watching the Cards lose tonight, I'll be watching a Stephen Curry documentary on Apple TV to see what a real winner looks like. I love Steph. Same. Steph's the man. He was um, – so I remember my senior year of high school, we went to Mexico on like a family trip, and I'll never forget watching them. I guess it was the Sweet 16, and I'll never forget watching him. It was it was awesome, and I've been a fan of his ever since. I do feel like I was a Steph Curry hipster. Like I used to watch – Comcast would have um, old-school SoCon games, and, and like Davidson would play Elon and stuff, and I, I was like, this guy's unbelievable. Like, like He looks like he's my size – and he's out there, and they're, they're triple teaming him. He's still raining threes. He was so fun to watch. And I remember, like my friends, my friends always get annoyed with me when I'm like talking about mid major players. Like they, they hated when I talk about John Morant so much so that they wouldn't cheer for him in the tournament. And like I, I was kept talking about this kid, kept talking about this kid. And he had the two NCAA tournament runs, and my friends would just be like, "All right, like yeah, your Steph Curry boner's warranted." And I was like, "Thank you, 
He's, I never thought he was going to be as good of a pro as, he, as, he, as he's been. I thought maybe he would hang on with the team for a while and you know, maybe he could be a good player, but it just seemed like he was, he was too small to do this at the level. And instead, he's, he's probably the greatest shooter of all time. I, yep. don't, I don't think it's really close. Texas says, that voice, uh, Scoots, makes you sound like a creeper. Never do the voice again, please. <laughs> well, he's going to do it again, folks. No. If, that, if the people don't want it, I won't give it. Texas says, Cormac Ryan injury confirmed. Probably. That's probably just jinxed him. Texas says, Dane Cook, pay-per-view, 20 minutes. Let's go. Adam Scott's character, Derek from Step Brothers, or Grayson Allen. I bet Grayson Allen's big into Dane Cook. <laughs> Every like generic thing that people hate, I feel like Grayson Allen probably was, was all about at one point in time. Texas says, Rick Barnes, disciple. No wonder he has, has had no success in the NCAA tournament. That's the worst candidate so far. Is Rob Lanier the worst candidates? I mean, I don't know. Jawan Howard's pretty bad. <laughs> Jawan Howard, given, given everything going on, I think is probably at the bottom of the list. Rob Lanier is probably second to last. I'd, I would give it to Lanier, but then again, I don't really understand what's going on with the whole Jawan Howard thing. I mean, nobody does, but it's, it's we, very we, weird. We all recognize that it's not good, though, and it hasn't been good. Roddy Terry's down there, too, because if, if you look, if, if you inherited a, a situation that good at Texas and you can't make it work, Probably ain't gonna work it at, at Louisville. I'd have him down there. We actually, we have some good candidates here. I'm 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 looking at the list right now. Sean Miller, Jawan Howard, Grant McCaslin, Fran McCaffrey, Mitch Henderson, Fred Hoiberg, Rodney Terry, Bill Self, Porter Moser, Rob Lanier. Out of that group, who's the most likely to actually get this job? If I told you right now that group of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten people, one of them is the, is the next Louisville head coach. Who would you say it is? Oh man. One more time for me. Sean Miller, Jawan Howard, Grant McCasland, Fran McCaffrey, Mitch Henderson, Fred Hoiberg, Rodney Terry, Bill Self, Porter Moser, and now Rob Lanier. I'd go with Fred Hoiberg. I would say, I think I'd go Porter Moser. I'd have Hoiberg second. I think those two are like the only ones that seem like, Sean Miller, I guess, maybe would be a a legit candidate. They're having a bad year, though. Mm -hmm. I would say those three are the only ones that feel like legitimate potential candidates Ronnie Terry no self well Bill Self yeah he's coming it's happening come home Bill hashtag bring Bill back even though he was never here before <laughs> Texas Scoots I thought your confidence level of uh, nine was idiotic yesterday and it came to fruition suck it from Scoots Hater you suck it Scoots Hater <laughs> Texas says uh, Scoots Hater also says Mike did you read my first text also Scoots is still doo-doo give me TK Scoots Hater suck it Scoots Hater <laughs> Texas, let's not forget that Chris Mack said Jalen Withers was an NBA talent on the team if he could just put it together. In Mack's defense, the quote was basically like, I think it was going into his his second year, where he said, if the light bulb goes on for him, this will be his last year in college and he'll be going to the NBA. If it doesn't go on, like he's going to be in college for for more than just next year. And he was right. Like you know, the light bulb didn't go. I'm not going to fault Chris Mack for saying Jalen Withers had NBA potential. Like the his size and his skill set. If things had clicked a little bit, I could have seen him making a roster for sure, or at least getting you know being a two way contract or something like that. And it just uh, just did not did not happen. Did not come close to happening. He's still playing. He's probably playing next year. Texas says, "Who are we fooling? Bama will make the expanded playoff two seasons from now, and going forward with three to four losses." Yeah, if they can get him in, they're going to get him in. Mm-hmm. That's that's just a fact. Texas Jawan Howard would kick Teron Davis's ass in a fight. This is this is probably true. If we know one thing about Jawan Howard from his coaching tenure, he's not afraid to slap somebody. Jawan Howard would whoop who? 
Karan Davis. No shot. You don't. Oh, I'm taking the young buck all day, every day. He's he's in shape. He's young. Jordan Howard's got like a foot on him. I don't care. A size has never changed much in a fight. I mean, he's not. He's like he's like in his late forties, early fifties. He's not that old. I don't know. My, my money's on Karan Davis all day, every day. I would take Jawan Howard there. Jawan Howard's huge. He, I mean, he just had heart surgery, right? Well, that's the that's a fair point. Or knee surgery, whatever it was. He did have a heart issue. Like I think he's he's weak. If if the heart issue is going to come into play, then then maybe that changes my answer <laughs> a little bit. That's kind of mean, but also yeah. Even if even if he was fully healthy, I, I would still take Karan Davis just because he's younger. Texas says I'm getting suck at Scoots hater on an F and T-shirt. This is gold. <laughs> We should. We need a whole big X line of shirts. Oh, that'd be great. Suck at Scoots Hater. What, what's a good KRC T-shirt? What, what could we have for that? Um, suck it. Yeah, a lot of suck it's on this, on this radio <laughs> station. Uh, let's talk about tonight in, in the world of sports. We've got a uh, full lineup of NBA, full lineup of NHL, full lineup of college basketball. It's a pretty good night of college hoops. I know we've got Louisville, North Carolina on our mind here, but. Overall, I mean, you've got a top 20 matchup at 7 o'clock on FS1. Number 18, Creighton, which is, uh, I I think, still a legitimate Final Four threat. They have the offense, for sure. They bring back a lot of guys from last year's team that you can argue should have beaten San Diego State and gone to the Final Four. They're on the road taking on the new number one team in the country, the reigning national champs, the Connecticut Huskies. Uh, 4-2 in the Big East versus 5-1 in the Big East. UConn is a a 6.5-point home favorite. Scoot, who you got? I think UConn covers this. I'm, so I'm going with UConn. I, until they, it's kind of like your theory with you're going to pick Kentucky to win the U of L Louisville game. I'm just going to keep picking UConn until they prove to me that they can't win. I'm right there with you. I, I mean, Creighton has been pretty good away from home, but they've played bad teams. You know, they were competitive against Marquette. They beat Nebraska away from home, which now is a win that looks a lot better than probably it did at the time. So I, I don't feel great about the cover, but if you're Putting a gun to my head, I'm saying UConn wins and covers. I think they're the, for right now, to me, they're the best team in college basketball. Uh, Kentucky looking to bounce back from that tough loss to Texas A&M over the weekend. They will host Mississippi State tonight. A good defensive team, but it's not a great offensive team. UK is a six and a half point favorite. I saw, I think TJ tweeted out last night, this opened at like UK minus three and a half, which seemed way too low. Whoa. And he was like, jump on it. I was like, I, I probably should have at that time. It's now six and a half. I still think Kentucky wins and covers that six and a half. I do too. Yeah, six and a half, not enough. Coming off a loss, they're going to be ticked off, ready to ready to round. The other uh, top twenty-five versus top twenty-five matchup of the night, nine o'clock on ESPNU, number twenty-five Texas Tech and Louisville coaching candidate Grant McCaslin on the road taking on number five Houston. Houston twelve and a half points is the spread here. Uh, again, nine o'clock ESPNU, number twenty-five versus number five. Who you got? The line doesn't make sense to me. I just I feel like that's too many points. So I'm going to play into it. I'll take Houston in the cover. I'm taking Texas Tech to cover, but Houston wins the game. It's yeah. only because Castlin's on the list. You're damn right. Nine o'clock uh, on the ACC Network. Our game: Louisville on the road taking on North Carolina. The current spread: Tar Heels by twenty-one and a half. Does Louisville cover that number? I do not think they cut. Well, yeah, I think they lose by 21, 84-63. Look at you. I'm, I'm going to say they don't cover. I'm going to say North Carolina 93-69. Put that dollar bet on there. Cards fall by 24. Hopefully I'm wrong. Go Cards. Beat UNC. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday nights. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Go Cards. Should I stay or should I go now?